brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top name long form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip. We have a streamlined sign-up form and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes. From right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. 
and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to flash back to Wade reviewing Raw from five years ago this week. I called it a segment that would go down as one of the biggest flops in pro wrestling history that generations of fans will be talking about. And it happened five years ago this week on Raw. It was the Alexa Bliss Bailey This Is Your Life segment. And today on our five years ago flashback episode of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show, we take you back to our instant reaction to that the night it aired. Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Pat McNeil joined me to talk about that segment and all of Monday Night Raw, including what was going on with Enzo and Cass and whether Kurt Angle was headed to an, towards another match in WWE and who it shouldn't be against, and a lot more with live callers throughout. As a bonus on today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show flashback, we're bringing you the Wade Keller hotline from that night, so you can hear my entire start-to-finish recap and commentary on, well, the entire show, but in particular... The This Is Your Life segment, in case you didn't see it or you want a refresher, that comes up after the post-show. So stay tuned for that. So after the post-show ends, after about an hour and a half, the Wade Keller Hotline, which gives you an idea of what I do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for VIP members, too. The the walk through the show in order with analysis. So, uh, yeah, you get your uh, an immersive uh, reminder or, or time machine look back at what we were saying about what I called... One of the biggest flops in pro wrestling history. So I don't know if it holds up as that, but at that maybe it does. But on that night, it felt like we'd be talking about it for a long time. And here we are talking about it again on the five-year anniversary. So that is today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show flashback from May 29th, 2017. But before we get to that, an announcement that we are running our first VIP sale of 2022. Our last sale we announced at the end of November last year. We are now running another sale. $8 off a... VIP monthly subscription. So what is normally $9.99 becomes $1.99. You can apply that $8 discount with our coupon code to a three-month or one-year subscription also. So no matter what plan you choose, you get an $8 savings for a limited time. The way to get this sale is by signing up through our VIP website at pwtorch.com slash govip. That page tells you about All the VIP benefits, including a 30-plus year library of podcasts, retro radio shows, and back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter with an amazing library of insider interviews, transcripts, and audio. 
of some of pro wrestling's biggest names the last 30 plus years. Uh, that also includes ad-free access to shows like this, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, also the PW Torch Daily Casts, and it includes access to our signature shows like Everything with Rich and Wade, which dropped yesterday, and The Fix with Todd Martin that I host every Thursday. And also, last but not least, actually not last, but um, our pay-per-view our post-pay-per-view roundtables, which will include this Sunday night after AEW Double or Nothing. You also get access to our pay-per-view roundtables on demand dating back to when we started doing them back in 2003. So if you haven't tried VIP before or you're back in the game, you want to get back in the game and gain access to everything that we do throughout the week for our VIP members, go to pwtorch.com slash govip and enter a coupon code SUMMER22. That's SUMMER22. And you'll get an $8 discount off a one-month, three-month, or one-year VIP membership. We'd love to have you back. We'd love to have you try us for the first time. And if you do, give us feedback. Let us know what you think. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Coupon code SUMMER22. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I can't make many guarantees with this show, but I can guarantee it will be better than the Alexa Bliss hosted This Is Your Life Bailey segment that just occurred about an hour ago on Monday Night Raw. A segment that will go down. It's one of the biggest flops and bad ideas in uh, this era of WWE. Generations of fans will be talking about this, but let's stick with tonight and talk about tonight. Roman Reigns getting a clean win over Seth Rollins in the main event. And more Extreme Rules hype. I'm Wade Keller, editor and publisher of the Pro Wrestling Torch weekly newsletter and editor of PWTorch.com, covering pro wrestling, MMATorch.com, covering the world of mixed martial arts, and also PWPodcasts.com, covering the world of pro wrestling podcasts with written recaps and highlighted quotes. A lot of new content up this weekend. Be sure to check that out over at PWPodcasts.com. Some fascinating uh, uh, podcast coverage from uh, some big names in wrestling history, talking about wrestling history, and you can catch up by reading about them in your free time over at pwpodcasts.com. But today, it is Monday, May 29th, 2017, and we are just moments after the completion of Monday Night Raw, live from Greenville, South Carolina. And I am joined on today's program to talk about Monday Night Raw with 15-plus-year Pro Wrestling Torch columnist and VIP audio contributor, host of the Wayback Playback, and a frequent co-host here with me on the livecast, Pat McNeil. Pat, welcome back to the livecast. 
Well, thank you very much, Wade Keller. Uh, hello, you people. Uh, Wade, I'm, I'm going to throw out any plans I had to ever do a This Is Your Life segment on the livecast. Right now. You know what? I, I actually am more encouraged. I didn't think that I had the writing chops to do you know, a lengthy comedy segment that would hold people's attention. And uh, now I feel like, well, if that's all it takes, um, just about anybody yeah. uh, can, can come up with a segment that apparently is worthy of being on television. My God. Am I, am I overstating it, Pat, how bad that was? No. Okay. Well, I think the real problem is... I think the real problem is that it's you know, 18 years after Mick Foley and The Rock did This Is Your Life, and then they still, and they haven't come up with anything new yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a problem. Even if they didn't come up with anything new, I would have rather have. I don't know. I mean, t why did that work with Rock and Foley, and this didn't, Pat? I mean, break it down. What what? Because I mean, I have my obviously. I watched the segment an hour ago. It was nothing. None of the humor was good. None of it made any sense uh, in terms of I don't know. I, I like. I'm kind of. I wrote it on my raw report at pwtorch.com. I can't believe that on paper somebody thought, yeah, this will work with 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 Bliss and uh, and the team that they put together there. Yeah, first of all, uh, This Is Your Life went off the air in 1972, according to Wikipedia, just in, you know, just in case uh, you're not getting the, the reference. Uh, it, it's okay. I think the difference was, one, it was the first time that they did it, and two, you had The Rock and Mick Foley, who, you know, even when they got bad material, could, could play off each other and had this, and had this chemistry. I mean, and, and Rock went on to be the most, you know, the most famous movie star in the world. And, I mean, to be honest with you, if, if I were trying to get that, if I had to get that segment over if my life depended on it, Alexa Bliss is the one I would want in the ring trying to do it. Because she, I mean, it's not like she didn't try. That's what's astounding about it, Pat. I mean, that's right, because Bliss has been pretty much batting a thousand, or pretty close to it, I would say, with her material. Um, I, I really don't understand where that script got past all the layers of people in that company. I mean, it was just, it wasn't fun. Anyway, let's, let's uh, have a therapy session together as we try to recover from yeah. whatever it is that they were doing there. Our phone number is here, 515-605-9345. If you are unable to listen to the show live, which is understandable, it's like some of you got to go to work in the morning or you want to watch the news or daily show or whatever, I understand. Uh, but you listen to us in the morning on the way to work or at the gym, uh, but you have thoughts on the program. Please email us your thoughts and questions and topics you can contribute to the show, even if you can't call the show when we are on the air live. Give us a call, or excuse me, drop us an email at pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com. pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com. Plus, let us know if you're going to be in the building, as uh, TJ did, who was in Greenville tonight. We'll be talking to him, I anticipate, later on in the mm -hmm. program. If you uh, do attend anyway, uh, or... Yes, Pat? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, what, one thing I, I also have to point out, right after they did Alexa Bliss and Bailey, they, they had the whole Alexa Bliss segment, they went right to an ad hyping that you could get 30 days of the WWE Network free. That is just outstanding timing. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, if you're going to be at SmackDown tomorrow night, um, speaking of timing, uh, give us, drop us an email, too, and let us know so we can uh, hook up with you and, and get you on the program to talk about what happened at SmackDown. Uh, okay, well, uh, Pat, the, there was some good wrestling on the show, too. Uh, all was not lost with that segment. Yeah. It was a, uh, I thought, a, a good job building up the fatal five-way Extreme Rules main event coming up at Extreme Rules on Sunday. I, I, I think it's a 
mix of five people. I will say I thought a couple weeks ago they gave hints that it was going to be uh, Bray Wyatt who was going to win. I thought that's kind of the way that things played out. I thought last week they hinted heavily at Finn Balor. Now this week you have Roman Reigns going clean over Seth Rollins. Conventional viewing would say, hey, that means maybe Roman's a favorite. He's got momentum, as they always talk about. He's going to win on Sunday and take on Brock and become champion. But WWE logic, if you follow it closely, more often than not, winning on TV six days or five days before pay-per-view means you have no chance in hell of winning. Uh, did you take away any other hints over the last three weeks? Uh, and did tonight in particular change your prediction on who wins on Sunday? Um, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with Bray Wyatt winning because it seems like the, the most logical choice. Although, you know, who, who knows? They, I mean, they seem to be, uh, they seem to be deciding these things uh, within the last 48 hours before the pay-per-view over the past several months. So uh, I'm willing to keep an open mind. I would be surprised if they went ahead and had Reigns win. Other than that, I, th- I think any of the other four are in play, though. I do, too. You know, I mean, I want totally rule out reigns but i kind of would <laughs> um yeah I, yeah i mean it's just it they're gonna save that uh I, I still i still think bray wyatt has done the most talking about the beast i don't think with samoa joe you know you could say if samoa joe got the win tonight what about that you know if you say reigns winning storyline wise gives him momentum um you know yes in a way joe winning gives him momentum but i think joe winning Again, the way WWE works sort of eliminates him <laughs> from the running, too. And I would say they would have done more with Joe talking about Lesnar. And the announcers would have gotten fans more excited in particular about what will happen if a man of Joe's size takes on Lesnar. Will that be the match, uh, the, the matchup in size and strength that has that Lesnar's been able to avoid so far? And they just didn't really get us excited as viewers they didn't go out of their way to try to kind of paint that picture or or explore that fantasy. And that's where I think it's it's more likely to be somebody else. I wouldn't even be shocked with Seth doing the job to Reigns clean. I mean, I think that actually makes Seth a possibility uh, for Lesnar. You know, he, he lost, so yeah. maybe Seth is a sacrificial lamb for Lesnar. But he gains some of the momentum that he lost tonight back on Sunday, looks strong, uh, and then takes on Lesnar. But I'm still... I'm still leaning towards Bray based on his promos, based on the fact that he didn't win tonight. Um, It's that whole reverse psychology thing. And I I guess Finn Balor is still kind of my second choice. But I I like not knowing going in. I'm going to try to avoid those damn betting spoilers that come out in the last 48 hours before pay-per-views, thanks to those stupid leaks in WWE. um, But betting lines sometimes change in the last couple hours. And so if you do see things on the Internet uh, about what the odds are going into you know Saturday, uh, it's not f- for sure a spoiler because Vince McMahon changes his mind, and a lot of times those betting lines change in the last couple hours when the final leaks come in. Speaking of those leaks, Pat, I'm sure you're you're very upset with leaks lately, um, and uh, I think WWE should be more upset about the leaks. Yes, I spoil things. Yes, I, I wish Mr. McMahon would run a tighter ship. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. 
Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and go to our uh, first caller of the program, and let's bring on board uh, Hayden from Kansas City. Hayden, uh, thanks for calling. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, not a whole, whole lot because this is a pretty run-of-the-mill show except for a couple of obvious points that stand out to everyone. I mean, I saw what you wrote. I'm actually reading your uh, your re- recap of the show right now, and, and I just after seeing it, just to see if I wasn't the only one who felt like that might have been the most awkward segment in the history of professional wrestling, <laughs> aside from when Vince Russo came out and scolded Hulk Hogan on WCW television. Uh, l- let, me, let me break in, Hayden. Uh, Pat, you, uh, you are a connoisseur of, of pro wrestling modern history uh, over the last 30 years. Is there anything that comes to okay. mind in your travels through the Wayback Playback Machine with you and Jim Valley in recent years for VIP members doing real-time commentary uh, every week, every Sunday for an hour, discussing an uh, event from the past? You have intentionally chosen some bad pay-per-views to, to, to rip on Mystery Science, 3, Mystery Science 3000 style. Anything come to mind that's worse than what we saw tonight that was more excruciating for everybody involved bliss even acknowledged at one point for those who didn't see it that the fans were being rude uh, and and it, you know she kind of tried to play it up in character but the crowd is rejecting the segment booker t late in the segment said this yeah. is hard to watch and i felt that that was meant to be a wink and a nod to the audience saying we know we know we realize it now uh pat anything come to mind that competes with this for that bad other than the Shockmaster, although that had some redeeming qualities well well, there there are the first two seasons of NXT when it was on uh, Sci-Fi. Uh, there were some awful segments on that, although that's you know, that's not really uh, probably the closest thing. Uh, if you remember, about 20 years ago, Roddy Piper was on Nitro trying to pick a team of non-WCW non non-WCW wrestlers to fight the NWO at uh, Uncensored. And uh, oh, let's see, God, he, yeah. and, and he was auditioning guys, including one of them was his friend, uh, <laughs> was his friend Craig Malley, and it, it and the crowd turned on this, uh, and the crowd turned on a Roddy Piper segment, which almost never happens, uh, which is and and WCW immediately scrapped that storyline and just said, yeah, the Horsemen are going to team with Roddy Piper, we don't need this. <laughs> that is a bad one, yeah. There's a, there's a number of Roddy Piper segments in TNA where he stood alone in the ring, and and and. I don't know what he was saying and what his point was, but they were, they were pretty rough. There were the speaking of the TNA, there were the Dups, you know the 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 um, yeah the, the the what was it the masturbating bear in a trash can uh, thing whatever that whatever uh, yeah something like that yeah something like that um, there, there was actually actually I think that I think the whole Dup Cup uh, hardcore uh, match was better than than this segment of bra. so I think yeah right. I'm not I'm not going to include that. <laughs> you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of conversation this week trying to find, you know, two or three segments that were markedly worse than whatever. It, like some segments just, you know, the material's good, but it just doesn't work. I, I, I mean, Bailey sat front, her school teacher said Bailey sat front row every day next to her father because she was such a daddy's girl. She cried when her dad wasn't around. And Bailey goes, you mean like cry, cry? And the teacher's like, yes. She goes, oh, man. Like, how is that written down on paper? And somebody goes... 
yes, I get paid to do this. That's good. I'm gonna have Bailey. I'm gonna have uh, 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 Bliss ask, like, really? She cried? Like, cry, cry? Like, none of that. It's just, I'm speechless. That's I, something. I, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, j judging by all the podcasts I've heard recently, I, I can guess uh, how it went. Well, damn it, pal, that's fantastic. Ha, ha, ha. You know, oh. something like that. Yeah. I, 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 because I, you, you know he signed off on it. He did, but boy, I think, I think he's going to wonder why somebody didn't, <laughs> didn't stop him from signing off on it after this. Uh, there are, uh, there are, I think on a recent Bruce Pritchard podcast, uh, he, he talked about a, a really bad segment, or Conrad was talking about a really bad segment, and Conrad's like, somebody, and he, a really bad interview, I think it was with Billy Gunn and Sonny or something, and, and uh, Conrad told Pritchard, <laughs> so who was fired after that segment? And uh, Pritchard, Pritchard said, uh, I think Pritchard might have been involved in that, or he was trying to disown, but whatever. It's like they were joking around about how when a segment goes really bad, sometimes heads should roll. This kind of feels like one of those. I mean, not for people being unemployed, but I am for people being employed who can actually entertain us with good segments that build up the pay-per-view. So. Anyway, Hayden, you're still there. We just we're going off on this. It was awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. Anyway, go ahead. It, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was pretty bad. I just wanted to bring that up because I knew it would probably start a conversation. Um, yes, but uh, the one thing I really did want to bring up was... Um, if Goldust doesn't get another run with the IC title after these promos these past few weeks, I think that is a I think that is a damn shame. This is some of the best promo work I've heard out of not only Goldust but a lot most of the main roster in a very long time. Yeah, let's talk. About I've always been a big Goldust fan. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it could have slipped by because uh, you know Goldust and our truth aren't top right. of the card, but. I really liked what they did. I, I mean, I, I put in my report that they did more in, what, two, two and a half minutes total, whatever that was, to get 10 times more to get their match over, 100 times more to get their match over than even a success, a slightly more successful version of, of Bliss and This Is Your Life with Bailey. I, I mean, I think they should send Bailey back to developmental for like a year and, and hit the reset button. She's damaged. Um, so they've just done such a bad job with her. But Goldust and Truth, it is. It's a, it's, the Goldust segment last week was good. This week it was good. He he's believable. Um, you're kind of he kind of owns the screen when he's on it. And I thought Truth had a nice retort. The Pulp Fiction reference, striking the same pose as Goldust, and given a spirited comeback. I, I want to see that match. I, I don't want to you know Bliss Bailey. I, I wasn't inspired at all. I was inspired by Goldust and Truth. I want to see that match. I want to see Truth. You know. Give, give back to Goldust. Of course, I think Goldust has more of an upside, and I do like the idea of him with an IC title run. Um, they're, they're just, it's, it's, I'm really happy for Dustin. I mean, he's this talented, and it's, I'm glad that he has a chance to be featured and show it, even at in his late 40s right now, Pat. Yeah, um, I, I definitely uh, can't argue with that. I, I, it's, it's amazing that this, that the Goldust and our truth exchange happened on the same show as the Alexa Bliss segment. It is, yeah. Well, different writers, different sensibilities by the wrestlers. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Bliss doesn't have the clout. You know, Roman Reigns talked about that. Um, 
on the yeah. Jericho podcast. You know, he's like, you know, it takes a while to have the cloud to tell Vince McMahon, this doesn't work for me. I think this should be different. And Bliss is not in a position, probably at this point, to just walk up to Vince or the writers and go, are you kidding me? This is awful. I think she probably should have, because I think this was damaging to her character. It wasn't just bad TV, it was well, damaging to her character. But, but Goldust has, I mean, he comes from, he's, not everybody who comes, grows up in wrestling has a real good sensibility about, you know, how to, how to portray your character. We've seen a mixed mixed examples of that, but Goldust has the ability to sit here and say, this material isn't good, come on. And, you know, he's got the clout as, as, uh, with his history and his name and the respect he has in the locker room, but I just think he has better instincts to not let something horrible go on the air with him at this stage of his career. Well, yeah, but I mean, Alexa Bliss is a young, attractive woman. Um, she probably has more clout than 60% of the roster right now. Yeah, yeah, perhaps with that those uh the fake with, with that audience yes yeah all right uh hayden any, anything else for us before we move on here oh you know what i think i uh, muted him because there's some background noise let me put it back on uh, hayden yeah now you're back on go ahead with any uh closing thoughts <laughs> yeah i realized i realized why you muted me accidentally uh plopped my phone on my desk and i called <laughs> that um you're banned <laughs> I, I just wanted to uh, <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up as someone who's been a big fan of Gold Dust and felt like through a combination of his own mistakes and uh, uh, several other things that have happened throughout his career in terms of what gimmick he's been thrown and the situation he's been handed, someone like him it makes you feel good seeing him have success and I really just I am glad to see this side of him as I knew it was I knew it was in him and I just hope that it really does amount. to to not only not only another run of some sort, whether a title or not, but I do hope that this does get in that final boost that he needs to get into the Hall of Fame, which I think he does deserve. I agree. Uh, Pat, do you think a uh, uh, icy title run is in the cards for Goldust? I assume he goes over on our truth in this feud. It might not end Sunday, uh, but I'd like to see Goldust get elevated to an IC title level feud and then have a run as a heel for a year or so. He's in the sh- best shape of his life. Have a run as, as a good upper mid card second tier heel and who knows you know and and see how that goes and then and then you know close out with the with the babyface turn after rebuilding his credibility and uh, i mean i could see a babyface gold dust against a heel miz two years from now or a year from now working too I, I think he's still got i mean he's still got something in the tank and he's been through a lot and i think he's really going to cherish and appreciate this this second or third chance that he's getting I think that they're probably going to they're probably going back to Miz, and right now they don't see Gold Dust as as being on that level. But uh, it's it's something they should consider, and you know, and if the ratings you know if the ratings continue on their current track, they'll be considering a lot of things that they wouldn't have been considering six months ago. Or just making the same excuses, you know, cables down across the board. Our social media numbers are high. We did more revenue than ever, which has more to do with the state of the TV industry well, and big money contracts than it has anything to do with them doing things particularly right. I'm not saying they're not doing some things right, yeah. but I, I wouldn't say that pointing at revenue as evidence of it is in and of itself um, you know, all the proof you need that they're infallible. I mean, there are, there are, there are some... But, but the, here's the thing. I want to I compliment them, not turn a compliment into a, 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 a criticism. I'm really glad that they're giving Dustin and Truth this chance. I mean, why not? You've got three hours and five minutes a week of TV, give or take. There's no excuse to have somebody as good as Dustin and really as good as our truth is, not doing more than what they were doing. And so this is one of the benefits of the roster split and having two different crews on two different shows. There's more time to, uh, to dedicate to getting the most out of some guys who, who I think would have been overlooked otherwise. 
Yeah, I, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, this will probably, I think it should be on the pay-per-view or on the kickoff show in some form or another. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's definitely um, there's definitely enough room with you know 13 quarters hours 13 quarter hours a week that uh, you can fit our truth and gold dust in there. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go to our first break. Here's a word about how you can support us every time you shop Amazon. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows, on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. All right, back to the live cast. We are talking about the final hype for Extreme Rules with callers. Pat McNeil is my guest co-host on today's program. And up next, let's go to uh, Kenny in Mobile, Alabama. Kenny, thanks for calling tonight. Your thoughts on Raw? Yeah, guys. So, um... You know, I, I agree with you, Wade. I think Bray's probably the front runner for the, uh, winning the number one contender match Sunday, and uh, Bauer's probably a close second. But honestly, I would love for Roman to win so they can go ahead and get the Brock Roman match out of, the, out of the way, so I don't have to see that match at WrestleMania that's coming up either. What do you? I mean, I mean, is it going to be a Great Balls of Fire or a SummerSlam? Do we know when this championship match is supposed to happen? The oh, Great Balls of Fire is when Brock's defending the title. I think Reigns Lesnar will be saved uh, for WrestleMania. I, I honestly don't see a big change in plans in that regard. Uh, Pat, you're, you're anything that? Yeah, although I mean, I guess there's still time to change the name of the July pay-per-view. But uh, no, I, I, I mean, I if they actually do Reigns and Lesnar in July, I, I would I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they try to do it again at WrestleMania. Uh, Wade Wade made a good case for Seth Rollins, and uh, and you know they didn't they never quite had that one on one match between Rollins and Lesnar. They they did it once, and the Undertaker interfered, and then we never got a finish. So they could actually pull that out. Maybe you know maybe July, maybe at SummerSlam. I think the attraction this summer with Brock before SummerSlam, and uh, and the uh, Bronze whatever they do with Braun Strowman obviously is have. A match where the main attraction is Lesnar's defending a title that he rarely defends, and kind of Conor McGregor-like, mm-hmm. or Michael Bisping in a different different realm. Um, you know, there's champions who don't defend that often, but with Brock, it's a big deal when he does, or that's what WWE will treat it as. But I think this is a chance to make Brock look strong. And given the landscape of Raw right now, I, I just I don't think that they fear Seth Rollins losing clean to Lesnar. I don't think they'd feel like they have to save him and keep him strong for something else right around the corner. But that said, I like 
the idea of Brock, if he's going against Braun, I would want Brock to go against um, somebody who would solidify his character more. And I think going against Bray would give the fans a reason to cheer Lesnar, which I think they want to do. And I'm not sure that Seth is the right guy to get fans to boo Lesnar, nor do I think you'd want to. And I don't think if you're going to turn around and have Brock play a babyface role later, that it makes sense to have fans have uh, split feelings about the match if he were to take on Finn Balor. That's where I just think Bray just psychologically makes the most sense to me. Um, but it's out of our hands, you know? Got to see, see what happens coming up this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and, well, anyway, and, um, do you have anything else for us, Kenny? Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I agree with all that. I just hate to see somebody just get fed to Brock. You know, I really want, I would like it to be an entertaining match and for it to build somebody up. Uh, the other question I have: Does not hold the title until Mania, or has he his champion now uh, until Mania? And that's all I got for you guys. Uh, go ahead, Pat. Um, it depends if they decide once again this year that, you know, maybe Roman Reigns shouldn't be holding the title after WrestleMania, then you would go ahead and have Lesnar lose the title to someone else. Uh, if, if your decision is that you really are going to pull the trigger on Roman Reigns again as your as your champion, then you want Lesnar to be the, to hold the title when, you know, by the time uh, – by the time Roman gets to him, so I, I mean that you know, I, it depends. I, I guess that's the. I, I guess think, that's what I meant. Yeah. I think Lesnar holds the title until Roman Reigns beats him at WrestleMania 34. I mean, I, I, we're you know there's going to be audibles and and cha- courses. You know, the course will change at times, but lately, uh, the most logical. You know, the way that WWE thinks and, and reading the, the tea leaves, so to speak. I mean, that just seems to be where they're headed. I'd be surprised if they did anything sooner. But Vince changes his mind, and he might think, we got to, damn it, we got to mm-hmm. spark business. We need to get to 2 million. Roman against Brock is going to get us to 2 million. Or Brock, Brock and Heyman say the wrong thing. And Vince like, get the belt off of them. Yeah, Brock's going to be that way. Then we're going to move him down to fourth from the top at Mania next year. I mean, who knows? So, you know, nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing's locked down. Until it actually happens, uh, Kenny. Anything else for us? No, that's that's it, guys. No, nobody's listening. Listen to the Stone Cold interview you did on Thursday. They really need to. I really enjoyed that way. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate it. I, I did too. I mean, how, how can you not enjoy insights from um, from from Steve Austin and? How can you not learn from uh, from Steve Austin? Anyway, let's uh, let's go to TJ calling from the site of Raw tonight in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, TJ, I appreciate you calling tonight. Uh, tell us about what we missed by watching on TV instead of being in the building. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, yeah, we just got done with the show. Um, it was a good time. Uh, started off, the crowd was really, really hot. Uh, first match was amazing. Um, then it kind of it felt like they kind of, excuse my English, they, uh, they kind of they blew their load after the first hour. And we got about four cruiserweight matches. The crowd was dead for a good 90 minutes. Um, they perked back up uh, for the main event. And uh, they, were, they booed Roman Reigns out of the building. See, that did not come across on and TV. That, and I wanted to ask you about that. Well, no, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, pa- TJ, pop yeah, yeah, a second. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. 
No, TJ, pause one second. I just want to confirm, Pat, on my audio, I'm going to get two, two perspectives on this. On my audio, it didn't seem like, it seemed like the crowd was muted when Reigns came out, and I couldn't really tell what the reaction was, even during the match. Was that your sense, watching and listening tonight, Pat? My guess was, my guess actually was that, yeah, the, the crowd was not only muted when Reigns came out, but during the match itself. We, I mean, it sounded, it sounded very quiet uh, for, for, uh, for uh, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. So, so, TJ, back to you. That's what we heard on TV. And you're saying in the building, reality was different without the filter of WWE's production. Well, it was different. Okay, so when before the match, whenever Reigns was put on the um, – when he was put on the screen or anything like that, he was booed, okay? When he came out, like I said, before the, the last hour and 20 minutes before the main event, the crowd was dead. I mean, they, they really gave us nothing, and that Alexa Bliss thing was awful. Um, and then when Reigns came out, that the crowd came unglued. So it was, you know, 20% cheers, 80% boos. But towards the, 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 the changing of the match – it seemed like Roman turned the crowd for him. So by the end of the match, it was 70% cheers and 30% boos. And, I mean, the crowd was, I mean, in my opinion, was hanging on Roman's every single move. Now, and, was it, I mean, when he, you know, when he... Was it the fans who cheered him coming out? Or do you think some of the fans who booed him, booed him because it's kind of the thing to do? But he earned their respect during the match and turned them into cheering for him. Was was it was were so many people cheering for him that it had to be some of the people who booed him at the beginning? My buddies, my buddies over here shaking his head like that. You know that there's no way that happened. That's, I, that's what I thought happened. Like I like so I was sitting there like you know and you know we're booing Roman Reigns because we we think he should be a heel. I mean that that's you know we're 35 year old wrestling fans. That that's what that's where we're heads at. But when. Literally, I mean that that was a really good match. That was a really really good match. And towards the last five, ten, you know, seven to eight minutes or so of that match, the crowd changed. The crowd went from booing Roman Reigns. So I want to say maybe halfway through. I don't know if it was on TV, but there was a huge "Let's Go Roman" chant, and then maybe a little bit of like you know some of our age guys going, you know, Roman sucks. But it, yeah. I, it, I felt like Roman changed. I, I thought he converted the crowd a little bit. I thought the so turning point. I, it, it was a good point. It was a good point. Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. The, the turning point watching t- on television seemed maybe to be when the bu- when Seth reversed the top rope move, did the running buckle bomb, and Roman popped out of the corner with a super yes. punch. Yeah. W- was that? Yes. Yeah. Did that, that was it right there. 
Oh, go, go ahead, TJ. We're losing Sorry, your reception yeah, a little, so that's right. I'm knocking over you. It's just because your your connection's a little choppy. But but I'll stop and you go. No, so, sorry about that, Wade. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was trying to think of that exact moment. Yeah, is we called it the uh, the Stingbuster. So Seth does the Stingbuster on Roman, and then he jumps out and does the uh, the Superman punch. The crowd went nuts. Yeah. I mean, right there, I felt like the crowd went totally pro Roman. Now I'm I'm into psychoanalyzing. Uh, why people don't like Roman Reigns. Uh, Bruce Mitchell and I talked about it on uh, Sunday's VIP Bruce Mitchell Audio Show again, uh, revisiting that talk. Actually, part one uh, on Sunday, because he went to uh, WWE House Show in Greensboro on Saturday, and we spent about an hour just going in depth on on that house show compared to 20 years ago when, when Bruce went to a WCW house show that was just a debacle and, and gave pretty much was a, a capsule example of everything that was going wrong with WCW at the time. And we talked in depth about that actually last week on the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. And he also compared it to some really great 80s house shows in Greensboro, which was the capital of the wrestling world, along with MSG and um, a few other places during the 1980s. And so we've seen a lot of big shows and, and promotions that were clicking. And, you know, he said, hey, you know, Roman Reigns, uh, everybody got babyface reactions in Greensboro, but Roman had some boots. You know, there's still there's, there's I shouldn't say still there. Uh, there absolutely are, are booze, even at house shows for Roman Reigns, where most people kind of eat what they're fed, go with the program. We're trying to figure out and I gave my version of why. People still are booing Roman Reigns. For you, 35-year-old, you're going there with your friends, watching Raw, you want to see Roman as a heel. Is it because you think he'd be such a good heel, or is there something about him that irritates you or rubs you the wrong way about him in particular as a babyface? Like, what, what's your version of why you don't like Roman? Well, it was the same. It was, it was just even watching the match. So he, there was a moment, I don't know if you guys saw it on, um, if they had the camera angle correct or not, but we, we saw it, uh, we were in the fourth row on the floor. So Roman had Seth against the ropes, and he was taking his forearm, and he was rubbing it on his face like an asshole. Like he was doing it like yeah. a heel, though. Sorry. Yeah. But th- that's what he was doing. But, I mean, but that's, but that's Roman Reigns. You know, he comes out, and he was, I mean, he was on the turnbuckle, like, before, like, when he came out as his entrance, and he's telling the crowd, this is my yard. This is, baby faces don't do that. It's just just his mannerisms, you know, and then, but then you kind of match that up with, you know, you, you know, it's, I mean, it just, it feels like if, if Roman Reigns was the bad guy and he was battling baby faces, he would still get the same reactions, I think, um, you know, and it's funny because I, you know, I listen to your your podcast a lot, and um, you know, and we talk, you know, I know you guys talk about, you know, what makes a good babyface, and is it, is it the John Cena effect? Is it getting the reactions? Well, Roman Reigns got the biggest reaction of the night, good or bad. Yeah. You think Finn did? No, I, you think Finn did because of his music, but Roman Roman got the booze and the cheers. But I, I felt like he got the biggest overall reaction, good or bad, out of the, out of everybody. That's true, and he, he he is true, and and you were right, Wade. You you said it a couple weeks on your on, on your podcast. You know, when we go up to the merch stands, half of it was Roman Reigns stuff. So there's a lot of kids running around with Roman Reigns stuff, but. Roman doesn't come across as a baby face. He doesn't come across as the guy. I mean, like the Hardys came out. The Hardys were straight baby face. You know, I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody knew the Hardys were coming in. I mean, they were jumping around for the hot tags. I mean, you knew they were the good guys. You can't tell Roman Reigns is a good guy. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a big gray area. 
And and there is, it's fun hearing you guys on the, it, kind of live on the radio uh, podcast debate. Uh, Sorry. No, no, I, I'm, I'm genuine. I think it's, it's, it's fun to hear two people kind of just, no, I think it was this, I think it was that. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the Roman having heel mannerisms doesn't make him a heel, but it, I think it cements a certain type of fan's resentment of, of him and, and him just rubbing people the wrong way. And it's, I, I ask people that all the time, as you know on this show, you know, what is it about him? What is it about him? And it, different people have different answers, but it, 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 it's almost an intangible resentment uh, and, and just kind of being turned off by him in that role and people desiring something different. So we'll see. But I, I think Vince is staying the course for at least 10 more months. And, and, but we'll see. We shall see. Sorry, but I mean, you saw that match, though. I mean, you saw babyface versus babyface, right? But Seth Rollins came out, and Seth Rollins was a babyface. He came out, he's on the turnbuckles, he's asking the crowd to cheer him up. He's, you know, Roman Reigns doesn't do any of that. Roman Reigns kind of comes down and goes, this is my yard. This is mine. I'm here. I'm the man. You know, that's okay. Well, cool. Um, you know, and the kids were cheering. And like I said, like I said, he got booed when he came out. And at the end of the match, he was getting cheered. Um, and it was allowed. Like I, and the crowd was dead before that main event. They, they were dead. So it was, it was fun. It was a great, it was a great, uh, we had a great time. And uh, we were really excited to see Alexa Bliss. But she got fed a really awful segment. Um, but, uh, but anyways, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Wade, I really enjoy uh if you, yeah. if you got one more second, was there anything that happened after the show went off the air, after Raw went off the air, after uh, Roman and Seth? Yeah, actually, it was pretty cool. We didn't know, but um, Roman's wife and daughter were actually right in front of us the whole time. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, man. So, you feel bad yeah, about so, all those bad things you said about him? Oh, yeah. We were loud, too. We were loud, too. <laughs> um, she had to hear us. Yeah. And uh, we, we were, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, I, I feel bad. I apologize, Roman, if you listen to these podcasts. Um, but yeah. Mommy, so why we, are the bad that was talking about daddy that way? <laughs> <laughs> it really was. But no, yeah. I mean, he, he, uh, he, Seth was going back on the ramp and talking, and, and Roman was just celebrating. And like I said, about, 70 30 were kind of cheering him and he came over gave his wife a hug gave his daughter a kiss and uh he was taking selfies with fans i mean and everybody had their phone out for roman reigns yeah well sure and, and there's my buddy and there's my buddy there's my buddy going well he's the last one left what do you expect <laughs> <laughs> funny <laughs> yeah but it was a good time guys it really was cool i, I really appreciate you calling and, and thanks to your friend what's your friend's name uh, his name's Ryan. All right. Thanks, Ryan, for your input, too. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how's it going, bud? Love the podcast, man. Huge fan. <laughs> thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Hey. All right, guys. All right. All right take care. Bye-bye. Take care. There's uh, TJ with Ryan with their uh, in-person report from uh, Greenville. We've got to go to our second break here. When we come back, more of your phone calls, more conversation. I'm Wade Keller, joined by Pat McNeil from PW Torch. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. 
All right, we're back live. I'm Wade Keller, joined by Pat McNeil. This is the post-RAW edition of the PW Torch Livecast. I want to thank those who reviewed us in iTunes in the month of May so far. Mike SN, uh, D Train of Pain, J Lucier 413, and uh, TDP, all giving us five-star rankings. Thank you so much for that. Uh, TDP saying, Wade Keller, I love this. Wade Keller is an incredibly talented and intelligent journalist that has been covering wrestling for over 30 years. VIP content is well worth the money. And Wade consistently has a top-tier mix of guests, like former WWE creative team members and wrestlers like Austin, Nash, JR, et cetera. Um, those are the types of reviews that help expand our audience. So I, I appreciate it. I, I, yes, it's, I'm blushing, but I, I, I do sincerely appreciate positive reviews for what we do here on the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever reviews are uh, accepted for podcast apps. If you like what we do, please uh, head over to iTunes and Stitcher and give us a five-star rating and some kind comments. Uh, Jay Lucier 413 or Lucier says, I love the live casts Monday through Wednesday. I try to listen as soon as we're on SmackDown end and then after work on Wednesdays, but I love having the chance to catch up a day late if I miss something. If I happen to miss a show or don't complete a show, it's great driving to or from work, listening to the show during my ride. Great show that I would highly recommend to anyone who wants great insight and analysis on wrestling. So cool stuff there. Thanks for taking the time to do that. And uh, you can add to those uh, right now. Go to iTunes if you get a couple moments to spare and uh, leave some kind words for the team here at the live cast. Um, up next, Cody from Thibodeau, Louisiana. Cody, uh, thanks for holding. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, Wayne and Pat, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, very good. Thanks. Good. I, uh, I wanted to make a couple comments before I asked you guys a question about the uh, women's division. Uh, first off, I completely agree with what TJ said about why he doesn't like Roman Reigns, and especially with tonight, because he, uh, he, he did some of the same tactics that he used in his match with Finn Balor a couple weeks ago, so I'm glad to know that, that, glad to know that uh, that's the kindred spirit uh, uh uh, you know, with the same mindset as me. So I, I'm very happy to hear that. Also, um, just a, a point of trivia in case, in case you guys were interested in, uh, R-Truth's promo today, he used, uh, he quoted Pulp Fiction, which actually was used by Goldust former tag team partner Booker T in, uh, uh, WrestleMania 21 Pulp Fiction hide video. So in case you guys were interested in that, that's, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Pat, did you um, know that? Yes, actually, I did, but okay. I'd forgotten it. So it's good. Right. It's good to be reminded. <laughs> we'll give you co-credit for remembering, uh, but not saying it. Thanks. Um, but uh, I agree with you, Wade. The, uh, the this is your life segment was just really bad. I even stopped paying attention to it at some uh, at a few points in that. Um, and I think it just uh, I think it just uh, confirms my suspicion that the women's division on Raw is just not even nowhere close to how. Uh, how well that the uh, SmackDown Women's Division is being booked. So the Raw Women's Division still comes off as pretty weak, and you know they're promoting a weak match with you know with a weak uh, babyface challenger, and uh, you know and a star and uh, a somewhat strong you know heel champion. Which I, I feel bad that Alexa Bliss was put in that type of position, but um, yeah. I actually do have. An exception to this, and I was very pleasantly surprised uh, to, to that I was that I thought about this. But uh, I was watching uh, the Rich Swan and Noam Dar match, and I thought it was very interesting that they made this mixed taxi match for Extreme Rules, because in a way, 
it puts it, they try to it puts the uh, cruiserweight you know uh, on the uh, on you know on the same match as the women the women's division with a with a strong uh, but still I believe a strong uh, babyface uh, women's competitor in Sasha Banks and continuing to build Alicia Fox as a as a uh, as a credible heel and I think it just I think it's a good way to help the cruiserweight division gain some gain some kind of momentum. Uh, and I know they had other things in the cruiserweight division going on today. But one thing I was really confused about is the, the whole storyline between uh, Rich Swan and Noam Dar started out with Cedric Alexander, and then he just made his return last week to 205 Live. Uh, but I just don't. I, I feel confused because I feel like he should still be a part of this storyline. But um, do you guys think that 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 the uh, whole Rich Swan and Noam Dar thing could have been improved with Cedric Alexander being involved in some kind of way now that he's back? Uh, Pat, I'll throw to you first on that. I, I think that uh, Cedric Alexander is is praising the uh, wrestling gods that he is not involved with this uh, with the storyline anymore. I mean, I, I I think that what they did made sense. You know, they they got Cedric. Removed from removed from the storyline when he broke up with Alicia, uh, Rich Swan. You know, Rich Swan uh, was was messing with uh, Dar and and Alicia, and it, it's him involved in this, and and that's fine. Um, I I think that what's happening here, based on what I saw, I saw the ad for Two Hundred Five Live tomorrow, and the ad was that Sasha Banks is going to be on there. So I think that WWE thinks they are using the women's division and Sasha Banks to raise the profile of the cruiserweights. And not the other way around. I, uh, what Pat said, I was thinking, I, Cedric, I think, was being, uh, by the end of this storyline that just never seemed to end, was being held back. And I think it was a timely, timely stretch of time off for him. I, I want to see him do something different and be featured more. I mean, you go back to the Cruiserweight tournament and the reaction he got in that building and, uh, and, and what, what he proved there and what we've seen since. I mean, there's just, there's more for him to give than being involved um, with Alicia Fox and more of that. And I, I commented in my Raw report, I, I think that Sasha, unfortunately, wasn't a particularly hot act going into this program now. And I think it almost, unfortunately, seemed like more of a demotion for Sasha than a boost for 205 Live that she's going to be on that show. That said, I've said on this show, I think they should do that. I think that there should be more mixing of non-cruiserweights with cruiserweights on 205 Live. It's a little more difficult on an all-cruiserweight show to have heavyweight wrestlers on 205 Live, but I think having cruiserweights be involved with heavyweights would not be a bad idea. You know, if there's a, a babyface looking for a, a partner, uh, because, you know, let's say, I mean, just throw this out. Uh, Cass is looking for a partner because Enzo's hurt against Dash and Dawson. Well, Cass can just ask Austin Aries to team with him. You know, I mean, you can have the cruiserweights just because they're in that division doesn't mean they can't visit the heavyweight division and be part of something on Raw. And then you can use that as an angle to have Neville, you know, then get involved with, with Aries or whomever Aries is feuding with on 205 Live or vice versa. Neville could be involved in aligning with a couple top heavyweight heels. And it doesn't have to be Neville. You can pick anybody. But, like, I, there's... I just don't think that there should be this purple rope separating the cruiserweights from the, the big-time heavyweight main event players. And so 
I endorse Sasha being part of 205 Live. I'd like to see more creative ways to mix cruiserweights in on the main show of Raw. But I'm, I'm not sure in this instance that Sasha's going to make a big difference. But, you know, they'll have their internal numbers on network viewership. And maybe Sasha being on that show will bring some Sasha Banks fans to, to the show who were not watching prior. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. Also welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at pwtorch and at the Wade Keller. Uh, Cody, any follow-up? Anything else? Um, actually, I, I really do agree with you, Wade. I think like mixing the non-cruiserweights with the cruiserweights would actually would actually be a really cool thing to get to see some uh, pairings that you may not see, you know, on a regular basis. In fact, as you were saying that, uh, my uh, my brain initially went to uh, an idea for uh, Drew Gulak to be protesting his, you know, protesting the high flying style <laughs> in a Kalisto or a Finn Balor and Seth Rollins match. I gotta tell you, like. Drew Gulak is probably by my one of my favorite cruiserweights on the show because of his gimmick, and I would I would pay uh, if I had to go to every single two or five live. I would pay just to hear him say, "I'm not lying, no high flying." <laughs> um, that, 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 that's really over with me right now. But um, I, I love yeah, Dawson's really... t-shirts too. No no flips, just fists. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm really I'm really glad to see the revival back on you know back on television. Um, and I thought, uh, and I thought, uh, Dash Wilder's facial expressions, even with his jaw shut, really yeah. made really made for an effect. You just try to mirror mirror his partner, and I think uh, it's, it's when it's when you can uh, when you can when you're not able to say anything, it makes it that much more important to let your your bo- your uh, body language be that more important, in a, especially in a especially in a promo. But uh, that's really that's really all I wanted to say. Uh, I actually just saw during tonight's show the uh, promo for the Go Home show for SmackDown Live before Money in the Bank, which is going to be in New Orleans, and I got really excited, so I might try to attend that. Uh, very cool, yeah. Cody. Thanks, appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Good night, guys. Absolutely, I was going to. Yeah. If you like Drew Gulak, I believe you can go search the archive, VIP archives or the regular archives. I, I had him on the live cast, uh, I think, a year ago. So. Spend an hour with them. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Um, the uh, the big cast Enzo mystery, Pat. What, what's going on with that? Hmm. What do you what, what's your what's your take on um, that? And is it related to Corey Graves and Kurt Angle? Any theories? I. That's an excellent question. I mean, the the you know I. I watch uh, well because because Mrs. McNeil watches lots of uh, mystery shows. I, I watch lots of mystery shows, <laughs> and you know, it, uh, you know. Really, the only the only suspect, I mean, the only person who hasn't been accounted for. I mean, the suspects consist of the revival and uh, Big Cass, and there's really nobody else. And yeah. so, which which leads one to believe that that it, it's got to be it's got to be Big Cass for reasons as of yet unexplained. Now, our- uh, I don't know what I don't know what they're setting up with uh, with Kurt Angle and uh, and Corey Graves, um, but you know, if if if. Uh, 
I'm guessing it doesn't have anything to do with Enzo right now, but I, I could be wrong. Um, I suspect we'll get the next uh, part of the mystery on Sunday, and it's probably better to have WWE doing one or two of the whodunit storylines because those all those seem to attract attention. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm for it in in moderation, but. Um, you know, and, and yeah. done well, <laughs> two two key factors. But yeah, I I mean I whatever's going on with Angle and Graves, I'm intrigued. Um, it was interesting to see Graves step away from uh, from his normal announcing role and and be involved in something else. And I think he did well. Kurt Angle, you know, looked distressed, um, <laughs> legitimately distressed over whatever the accusations are that could ruin him. So that'll be interesting. I. I is it too early on the cast thing? Is it too early to have Cass become a heel? I was actually kind of surprised that, because I thought Cass last week was just acted like came across as a heel, came across as a jerk, and I thought, man, my first reaction was he's overacting and he's coming across poorly. But if the actual intent is or the plan is for him to go heel, it totally makes sense that he came across as so unlikable, not that he was showing concern for Enzo, but that he was such a jerk to everybody else who was also coming to Enzo's aid. And I get, you know, when you're under duress, you might and you know, might be a jerk because you're just thinking about your friend and nothing else. And so there's that mm -hmm. out. I still thought that was bad if he stays babyface. But if the goal was to cast doubt because he was kind of overreacting with concern and it seemed a little over the top and then being a jerk to everybody else, I, I thought they laid the foundation well for that. But here's my question, Pat. Is Cass ready to be a singles heel And at, at this point? Like, is that... Do you go there with that? Do you think that Enzo and Cass as, a, as an act has been played out? Or are you kind of giving something up by breaking them up this soon, even if Vince is really, really anxious to unwrap the singles package of, of, of Big Cass and doesn't want to see him you know, spin his wheels in Vince's own mind another year in the tag team division? That that's the question, and and really my you know the the second part of the question is for me is um, if if Cass is a heel, I mean usually a guy the size of Cass gets booked against other big guys, and I mean unless you're going to put him against Roman Reigns as a heel, you know I mean the the other big guy wrestlers he would be facing normally would be like Bray Wyatt and Samoa Joe who are who would already be heels. I'm not. I'm not seeing that logical fit for him as, a, as an opponent. Unless I mean, he's feud with Enzo for a couple of months, obviously. But but where do you go after that? I, I, what what is Big Cass's upside, Pat? From what you've seen so far, is is he someone who can be a main event heel, eventually take on John Cena at you know SummerSlam 2018, uh, or be a heel against a babyface Roman Reigns, like is, or a heel against Finn Balor? You know, having some if you have undersized babyface, it's good to have bigger heels because it's you know the you, you want to have as many situations as possible where the baby face is the underdog in terms of size um where does Cass rank in terms of being ready for that kind of push i uh he ranks ahead of elias sampson i mean that's you know i i, I mean i i, th I think his you know his size and his look are, are good he's not you know he is uh i mean he's perfectly acceptable in the ring i haven't seen him you know haven't seen him haven't seen him hurt anybody you know by by being careless but uh you know the, it's just it just doesn't seem like it's there yet it seems like it seems like that's the sort of act that they could they could use over on smackdown and sort of build him up the way they did with baron corbin I think Cass sold me a little bit more than I would have been three weeks ago in terms of the way that he, he was, you know, acting towards Corey Graves and acting to the, towards the medics last week and the referees checking on Enzo. I mean, I, I, 
watching him in NXT a couple years back, he just looked like a little bit of a deer in headlights. You know, he looked like a big guy who was kind of insecure with his place and, and a little nervous in front of a, of a crowd. I think he's found his footing, and I think he's been really good these last two weeks if it is laying that, the, the, the foundation for him to be a heel. So I'm a little more optimistic, but I, I, part of me just thinks, yeah, play out Enzo and Cass longer. You know, I know Roman Reigns has said he thinks the Shield mm-hmm. had another year in him. And sometimes breaking people up too soon, you end up regretting it because they're just not ripe yet for that role, and you want fans seeing them in, in itching for Cass to do more because he's been so impressive. And I'm, I, I think fans right now um, maybe are looking at not there yet. But that said, do you want to wait until Enzo and Cass cools off? Is is that act starting to seem a little repetitious? Uh, is it seeming repetitious or stale? And if Vince feels that, he might think, I can't have Cass part of a stale tag team act with jokes that aren't working. we got to pull the trigger on this, break up and turn sooner. So... Uh, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, we gotta we gotta watch it play out, kind of like Jinder Mahal on SmackDown. You know, you just you don't know till uh, you see it play out. Anyway, let's go to our uh, next break, and when we come back, more your calls and more analysis of tonight's RAW with Torch columnist Pat McNeil. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. All right, we're back, and we're talking about tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. And uh, let's bring into the conversation uh, Jason from Australia. Jason, I'm interested in your thoughts on tonight's Raw. What's on your mind? Yeah, thanks, Wade and Pat. Um, I got to see bits and pieces of tonight's show. I guess my point of view is that, well, if Reigns has defeated Bala clean and he's defeated Rollins clean, it'd be nice for him to actually win the Fatal Five-Way and go on to face Lesnar simply so we can actually see a story where a guy's had real momentum behind him, actually do well with that momentum and take that next step, <laughs> as opposed to this 50-50 booking where Rollins has lost and now he's probably favourite to win. And this is what's put WWE in the mud, so to speak. I mean, this constant 50-50 booking where we look to see if someone loses one week, well, they've got to be winning the next week. I'd actually like to see Reigns win. So they reward us for following the journey and saying, you know what, this guy has momentum behind him. It makes sense that he actually won this match. Uh, that would be nice. I, I, and, and if WWE starts doing it, then we'll maybe complain their forecasting finishes too much, but I'd rather have a, a mix of times where sometimes momentum, that all-important momentum, as they phrase it, Jason, actually does lead, like you say, to that momentum paying off with a win. I, I just... I'm not sure that this is the right time to do it because I, I don't think they want to give away yeah, I know. I know. Balls of fire. But I get your point, and I think they should pick their spots and make sure sometimes momentum uh, does lead to wins. And maybe it does, and I just don't notice that much, but I, I, don't, I don't think so. No, it doesn't. I, I don't think it does. I mean, it does sometimes here and there, but not as much, especially in big matches. I just think Seth Rollins now is the overwhelming favorite to win. Um, the other point I wanted to raise so Lesnar's contract, right, that expires next year after WrestleMania, if I have my dates right. I'll ask you and Pat this, all right? 
you've got an opportunity to re-sign Lesnar for another two years or so after next year. Do you do it or do you let it go, yes or no? Uh, Pat, you first. Um, do I have to find myself again? I did it again. Sorry, Pat. Uh, you first. Oh, thanks, Wade. Uh, yeah, if they're actually going to use Brock Lesnar to uh, to build, a, you know, to get somebody over, like I suppose they're planning to do with Roman Reigns, then then it's okay. <laughs> I mean, if they just plan to have him, you know, trading wins with other legends, I'm not I'm not crazy about that. Plus, they're running out of legends for him to fight. Yeah, I mean, I to me, I think where Brock would have value is if he loses to Reigns and disappears for a year and then, or even longer, you know, year, year and a half, and then comes back, I could then see maybe the, uh, the pop for Lesnar coming back after, you know, the absence makes a heart, heart grow fonder, that kind of, that kind of approach. That, that's where I would see maybe Brock having more value. That said, I mean, if it's a reasonable price, I, I just don't think you can turn down, Jason, having Brock Lesnar on your roster. There's some positives and negatives that come along with him and how limited he is in terms of what he'll do in the ring. Um, you know, he's not, he's not the most uh, uh, giving of, of wrestlers in terms of, you know, hey, let me help make a new star for you. Or, hey, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, go back to actually having a full-fledged match instead of just, you know, a few suplexes and forearms and punches and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I... I have, I, I obviously, as I'm expressing this, have mixed feelings, but it's Brock freaking Lesnar. And I, I think that if he sticks around for a reasonable price and you, you having him share the ring with a few extra people, then we're probably going to get between now and Mania 34. I kind of want to see that. You know, I, I don't, I want to see Brock against Joe. I want to see, you know, heck, Brock against Big Cass could help elevate Big Cass to, to being a top-tier guy, or, or Brock against Baron Corbin, or Brock against AJ Styles. I want to see that. So there's enough other matches I want to see that I'd feel kind of bad if just because he's not perfect in terms of dealing with him or the variety that he get, the variety of moves in a match and all of that, I, it's still, I, part of me just thinks, yeah, I want to see more, more of what he can give in terms of chemistry with some first-time matchups or uh, marquee matchups. Jason, what's your opinion on that? Now, see, I wouldn't. I've gotten to the point now where I'm through with these um, part-timers, cause, and not because I'm a, one of these people that think you need to reward the full-timers and all the rest of it. I'm looking at more from a money point of view. I actually think you can make an argument that since Lesnar has been universal champion, because you're telling the people this is the most important guy and he doesn't appear on Raw, that Raw ratings have gone down because Lesnar, the top guy, is not on the show. And I think that's, I think that's going to cost WWE money. I don't think he's worth it. I think it's just gotten to the point where you want your universal champion to be consistently on Raw. You want your yeah. top champion. I know they have it on SmackDown, but Raw's a flagship show. And I think it's costing WWE viewers because when they tune in and they don't see Lesnar, they're like, well, it's, it's not important. And Ambrose can say, well, I've got the IC title and all the rest of it. I think it's doing more damage than good. I think it's gotten to that point. And I think, and I'm starting to fall in line with what CM Punk said on the Cole Cabana podcast. I think these part-timers are really doing damage. Uh, anything else, Jason? Well put. Yeah, and uh, just one final note on Jinder Mahal. I just have to ask this. So you said that, um, I saw in the PW Torch uh, newsletter, that 
Vince McMahon decided on the day to put the title on Jinder Mahal like he decided on the day. Yeah, that's what... That's a big, big decision. That's a big decision to make on the day. I mean, geez, I would think that that's something that you want at least three to four weeks ahead. Yes, we're definitely doing this. I mean, if he's making a big decision like that on the day, no wonder all these other little things get changed at the last minute. I mean, no wonder there's no continuity and all the rest of it. I mean, that is a massive decision. You're putting your world title on an unproven guy, and you're just making that on the day? Come on now. In in his defense, I, I will say this. I don't think the first time he thought it thought of it was the day of the show. So um, my, I think that he thought about it for three or four weeks, had it in mind as a distinct possibility, and then made that final call to, to – the final call that, yeah, this is what we're doing the day of the show. And, I mean, you know, Shawn Michaels talked about how that's how, I think it was Shawn who talked about, um, and others I think have been on record about it, that that's when Vince made the call that Brock beat Undertaker. You know, that final decision, the final decision was made the day of the show. It doesn't mean Vince didn't ruminate over it for weeks and struggle with the decision, but I think sometimes for a big decision where he knows there's going to be people doubting him and he might even have his own doubts, sometimes he needs to feel it the day of the show before he makes the call. And yeah, I mean, multiple multiple sources are saying uh, to me and, and elsewhere too that yeah, that was a day of the show call. Doesn't that make you just a little bit, not worried, but you're wondering, that is a massive decision. I mean, I like to think the big decisions in my life, I'm making them, you know, quite a few weeks or months ahead. Cause, you know, I know what I know what's leading up to it. I know what I'm doing. To leave that to the last minute, where he could be fifth either side, and then you've got to change all your storylines and whatnot. No wonder the writers are frustrated. I mean, this is what they have to put up with, and they cop all the flack all the time. I can really understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I guess I, my thinking is, if, if Vince was leaning that way, but had some second thoughts, and then made the decision two weeks ahead of time. I mean, he still would have room to change his mind. And I, it's possible in his mind he had, you know, was leaning strongly towards it and planned accordingly and had everyone on board. Hey, we might do this. Eh, this is the thing. I don't think it was like a shock when he made the decision. I just think the final decision wasn't made. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not like the, the booking was Randy's going over and uh, here's how we're doing it. And then, at the, you know, the last hour before the show, all the writers were thrown off because we're going with gender. I just think it was it could go either way. And that final decision wasn't communicated until the day of the show. Because, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm siding with Vince a little bit more than you, Jason, and that on a big decision like that, I think you do want to not be pro or con, yes or no, necessarily, if you have some doubts, but you have some reasons to want to do it. Sometimes you go, you got to go with your gut on how you feel the day of the show. You know, Lesnar Taker, Jinder Orton, two different situations, but both he was sec- he's been second-guessed for that decision. Now, you could argue history might show that he shouldn't go with his gut and he should talk it out and make a decision a week or two ahead of time based on rational reason and not the adrenaline rush maybe he gets from doing something controversial and against the grain and surprising quote you know surprising people that he chose to go that route at the last second maybe he needs to leave himself open to some persuasion the other direction by letting that be known to his inner circle a week or two ahead of time but for all we know there might have been one or two people in his inner circle pushing for this too and vince was resistant until the last second I don't know. I understand what you're saying. I can yeah. see what you're saying. But to me, it's a big decision to put a world title on an unproven guy. You want to break into that Indian market. I just feel if I was working for that company, I'd want someone to go ahead and say, this is a decision we're making. I made it a long time ago. We're going to do it. Do it. As opposed to waiting on the day. I think it's a legitimate doesn't point. doesn't send the right message yeah. to me. But 
Yeah, what you're saying yeah, to me makes sense. Guys. Yeah, right. so I mean, Thanks, Pat. Point of view. Yep. Uh, Pat, you're, any thoughts on uh, Thanks, guys. those topics? Well, yeah, I, I think I know in the past that uh, there have been, you know, uh, there have been plumbers within WWE searching for the people who were who were talking to uh, publications like The Torch and, and others. And uh, they really tried to crack down on people giving out information that they shouldn't have been. I think that at some point Vince McMahon decided the best way to keep a secret is to not tell anybody. And and he means anybody. And uh, I mean, I think that there. I think that he confides maybe in Stephanie and, and Triple H on occasion, and that's, you know, and that's the inner circle, and that, and that's just sometimes as far as it goes, and that's how you get decisions like that. Yeah, Jason, as always, thanks for calling. Appreciate your uh, comments. No problem. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out youtube.com slash pwtorch and be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos mark in pittsburgh you're up next congrats mark what's on your mind tonight mark are you there is his last name madden <laughs> right um, <laughs> there he is i, I woke yeah. up i woke up pat mcneil okay it, it, it's mark madden <laughs> yep. I know it's not I know already. it. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. All right, so check it out. Uh, after listening to all that, I don't even know what, whatever conversation I want to have now. So what I want to ask is, Wade and Pat, who's Kurt Angle going to wrestle going forward? He has to have a match, right? Um, yeah. I, I think that I, I – don't know what Vince has in mind, but the assumption a lot of people are making is that when he has his match, they'll wait until WrestleMania 34 and it'll be against Triple H. Again, they'll be fighting for control over Raw. You think so? That's, yeah. Well, Triple H, I mean, could be the case. Think of it through the lens of Triple H. You know, he wants to have special matches that are part of a you know legacy he trusts that he can keep kurt healthy with all of kurt's issues with his neck and nerves and all you know all the grind and they can have a good match without you know i mean yeah i mean i i think triple h feels like he's the guy who's the ring general who can be in the right place at the right time with some of these guys who are older and broken down and and get a good match and angle certainly has a lot of star power and that'd be a big deal and it helps improve triple h's ongoing wrestlemania legacy of having special attraction big matches too i mean it fits the way that they think and this this could be the beginning of uh basically a 10-month story arc uh if what you know, Corey Graves is getting information on is is trying to chip away that someone's trying to chip away at Kurt Angle's power, and it turns out that it's Stephanie and or Stephanie and Hunter, and and that leads to you know it, it might be a storyline that kind of weaves in and out of the product, but boy, that'd be that'd be long term planning, um, and it maybe it's something that happens sooner at SummerSlam, 
and they do something with Kurt and Hunter uh, there. I, I don't think they want Angle going out there and trying to keep up with an AJ Styles or a Finn Balor, you know, like a, a younger guy. I mean, I think they want, yeah. they want Angle to either do a conservative match with somebody like Hunter where, you know, it's about the star power and, and being very careful in what you do. Or, you know, it would make sense to have, have him go against somebody who's on their way, on their way up and he can have a good but, you know, limited match. But, you know, he'd give a rub to them. I just don't know who that is. Did you have someone in mind, Mark? I mean, not, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think Lesnar, to be honest, because, mm. because of the history. Nah, but no. he, he, uh, hold He's not taking hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Don't go, eh. Don't go, eh. Kurt Angle is the greatest amateur wrestler of all time. The dude is not going to get in the ring and be reckless and get in the ring with someone that's reckless and, and, and get hurt. And he can hold his own. So don't go in with Brock Lesnar, okay? What they, they're, they're on the same level. They're on the same level. Can we talk? That is... <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's, that, here's, that is literally the last guy I would put a guy with, a, with an injured neck in that, that That's what we're saying, Mark. It's not about the star power. Um, it's not about amateur background. It's not that it wouldn't be a great match if Kurt was healthy. The eh is... I don't, I don't think anybody should find it entertaining to see Brock Lesnar tossing Kurt Angle backwards onto the back of his neck, and that encompasses 85% of what Brock does in the ring these days. Okay, so, you're, okay. so I, I, I get your perspective. Yeah. That Brock Lesnar just throws people around, and so that would be that would be wrong for for him to do that. And the, okay, I, I get that. I want to see it. I mean, I go, I, get that. I, like, I don't, I don't. I don't want to see Kurt get hurt, and I don't know that it would make any sense for Lesnar to not take Angle to Suplex City. I mean, if you're good, if Angle's healthy, it's about Suplex. Right. It's the Olympic Slam, the Angle Slam against Lesnar, but you can't do that on Angle's neck. It's just, it wouldn't be. WWE would not put themselves from a liability standpoint right. in a position okay. to knowingly do this. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I was out of line for saying that. So, what about, I mean, what about Angle and Styles? I mean, we've seen that in TNA, but, you know, maybe in a WWE perspective, I mean, what I do you think? think? We'd be, I think we'd be disappointed. I mean, I, I, based on, you know, like you bring it up, TNA, really? I just don't think Angle has, has it in him to keep up with, with that. He might think he could. He'd, he, there's nobody who would have a better work ethic than him and would be more determined and bring everything he had, but I think that's what they fear. You know, I think they fear that he would bring everything he has and, and do damage, and a guy with addiction issues in his past is not someone that you want to put and who also is driven to be the best in everything he's ever done and he's usually accomplished it I, right that's that's what that's why i'm angle is my favorite ever you know yeah I mean, and i get that but i, yeah, I think so, as, i mean your I, favorite, I, you don't want to see him be in a situation where he tries to keep up with aj who's the best in the world still in his prime his late prime <laughs> an extended prime but still in his prime and then, I mean, if you care about Kurt, go watch one of his great matches when he was healthy a dozen years ago. But don't wish for him to maybe end up addicted to pain pills again. And I think if he, <laughs> I, I don't think he can, I don't think he knows any other speed but pedal to the floor. And if you put him in that position, I think he would end up, there would be a high chance of him ending up hurt. And then you have to worry, have we started another cycle? I, that, that's where the Triple H match appeals to me. I think it can be a controlled situation. Kurt can still be great but great in a different way that uh, just like Steve Austin was great in a different way after his neck injury. Yeah, very well said. I mean, 
I, 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 I disagree on on a little bit of that. Yeah. Because I, I think that Kurt Angle knows his knows his own limits, and to mm-hmm. say that. I mean, we're we're going to like pain pill addiction again? No, that's not going to happen. I mean, he's 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 one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and 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 why and why why would he go to that again? I mean, come on, he he knows his own limits. If he gets into the ring, he will have a safe match with someone who's just as good as him, probably not as good as him. You know, and and have a great match. I mean, why? What's wrong with that? That's literally the opposite of what I've heard about Kurt Angle over the years. The guy who knows his limits. I mean, he is a guy who will push himself to the uh, to the utmost. And uh, you know, I mean, I I mean, here's the other thing. I don't know what I don't know what. Uh, Kurt, you know, what the medical report on Kurt Angle is. I don't know, you know, how much he has left in him. I don't know how much, how damaged his neck and his and his back were. Uh, I mean, that will probably more than anything else will indic- will uh, determine what they do with Kurt Angle, whether it's uh, whether it's Triple H or or whether he does a safe match with The Rock. If The Rock ever wants to come back and wrestle again, um, but yeah, I, I mean, he's not. He's obviously not going to be out there every week. Mark, appreciate the call. I want to, with our limited time left, I want to get to another caller, too. Uh, Do you have any closing quick word for us? Well, yeah, it's all good. I I don't want to speak for him, so I'm sorry, but it was a good conversation. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. All right, uh, I want to seek in one more break here. We'll come back and uh, take another call or two. So uh, hold tight. If you are on hold, if you are have called us and haven't pushed one on your touchstone phone, um, that will move you into the caller queue. I always mean to say that. I always forget, so sorry for that. But we'll go to break, and when we come back, more with uh, more, more on Raha with uh, Pat McNeilan. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and... A ton of VIP exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week dedicated to a focused look at WWE news and a focused look at AEW news along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view VIP exclusive roundtables and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles, Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership? Um, let's, uh, let's go to our next call and go to Sean in Chicago. Uh, Sean, thanks for holding. Uh, what do you think of Rodden? Uh, I actually didn't like it. Uh, I think the quality of wrestling was good, but uh, I didn't. I didn't like. It, it was dead. I could feel how dead that crowd was. Um, and when the caller called in, I finally figured out what it was because he said, you know, the crowd booed him out of the building. But when he said that his wife and children in the front, it made all the cheers make sense because they were coming from a like the front or they were coming from a certain direction. And I could tell because he usually gets booed throughout an entire match. And I was wondering why the crowd even cheered him at the end and they won him over. That's because. He he had some help, some moral support, which I understand that, but I, he's not going to get over with me ever. Sorry. I don't care who's sitting in front. Just don't care. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, it's, just, it's disgusting to see someone. He's lost. The people I can count, he's lost too cleanly. Uh, it's Finn Balor and Daniel Bryan. In, the, in, in what, four years he's been pushed? 
I think those are the only two people. I, I, I suppose Seth Rollins or Brock Lesnar, if you want to count that at WrestleMania, because that was a, a triple threat match. But, you know, that that's the type of stuff that, want, that makes people want to see Jinder Mahal push, you know, and... Uh, uh, another uh, another thing that's really got on my nerves was uh, the women's division. Was there even a women's match tonight? Uh, no. Uh, no. Nope. Yeah, I mean, what what are they doing? If it's a revolution, why aren't you wrestling? You work, you should be working tonight. You know, Nobody worked tonight except Alexa Bliss and I, I would I would disagree, uh, Sean. I don't, think you have, I don't think you have to have a women's match on every show. I mean, I don't think you should have a match just to have a match. They don't have a deep enough division to necessarily give it away all the time. And he had Sasha and Alicia um, in one segment, not actually in a match match, but building that up. And he had Alexa and uh, yeah. Bailey, as, as awful as it was. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think you have to have a match every single week uh, with the women. I don't think you have to have a cruiserweight singles match every week. Um, I don't think you have yeah. to have tag team contendership match every week. I know it's three hours and there's room for it, but, you know, some weeks uh, it's fine to skip. I, I, I wouldn't say that's a slight to the women. Yeah. Pat? I, I uh, well, I, well, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, wait, wait. Here's the issue, Wade. Have, since this women's revolution started, have we ever had a three-hour Raw without a women's match? Well, good question. I don't know. I think I'm going to check, but I think this is the first one. Okay. Well, I'm not, I, I'm gonna, I guess I'm not against I, I'm going to second that, I yeah. believe so. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, uh, they're not deep enough. So I do kind of need to see them because I actually almost forgot because I didn't want to watch the rest of Raw when that, when that Alexa Bliss uh, uh, segment came on. I really didn't. I really didn't. And I felt bad about that because I've been a wrestling fan all my life. And I hate when I have to turn away because I, I wanted to hear Roman booed. And when I didn't hear him booed, I said something must be wrong tonight and then or, or off tonight. And then hmm. it's just... It, 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 just, it just gets to you after a while. And it took me a really long time to get back into enjoying wrestling. Yeah. And I enjoy everything except the wrong push. Even, and my, my, my real point tonight is the drifter. How far do you think they're going to go with him? Because they're giving him squash matches, and he's looking good. And they're talking him up. And, and the last thing they said was, you're going to see him doing that, his finisher, for weeks to come. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like you want this guy around and you're giving them a push, but where do they push him? Because you got gold dust that everybody wants to see in the IC title hunt. So where do you put the drifter? Pat, what, what have you thought of the drifter so far? Elias, um, well, he's had, he's had two matches. I mean, I mean, it's, it doesn't get over as well as it did in NXT. The, uh, the, the whole singing bit, uh, but uh, I mean, there, there's potential there. I mean, he's not the you know he's not uh, he's not going to be Finn Balor or AJ Styles out there. But they, I mean, the, here's a guy that you could use. You know, probably let's let's say here's a guy you could build up for a few weeks and then have Roman Reigns kill him at a pay per view, which I think is probably is the, what he can aspire to right now. Yeah, I think he'll be more than Kurt Hawkins, but I I don't know that I see him being a top top guy. But I I, I mean it's 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 too early to tell. I mean, it just is. It's too early to tell what it what what he becomes. I don't think that he was like this standout guy in NXT, who was a big part of what made he, he like Dash and Dawson. You're like, oh, I can't wait to see them on the main roster, and I hope they don't ruin him. With with Elias Sampson, you sort of thought, okay. 
They're preparing him for the main roster. And I kind of, if you're an NXT fan, you're kind of thinking, I can't wait for him to go to the main roster so he's not part of NXT anymore. You know, he's, he's a big, muscular, gimmicky Vince McMahon guy. And he's going to be given chances. He's going to be given opportunities. Damian Sandow like opportunities for a guy his size with his look. And it's too early to tell if he'll make it or not. I, I, my guess is he's not going to be someone three years from now we're talking about as a major player. That said, I thought it was a good match tonight. I got a kick out of Booker T going, we don't know this guy's name, even though he was introduced by name, and there was a graphic on the screen, and then Michael Cole said the guy's name, and then Booker did that, that weird nervous laugh he does to cover up for when he's just inadequate on commentary um, or you know, says something that people are kind of giving him a hard time about. Um, but no, I like squash matches. I thought it was a good use of a squash match, and I think it helps establish his, uh, his, his style and his viciousness and his finishing moves. So... Let's just give it some time and and uh, and see see where they go with it, Sean. Just got an email I want to wrap up the show with here from uh, Kenny W. Who said, as someone who has been sober from a pain pill addiction for two and a half years now, in my opinion, and I mean no disrespect towards that caller, but there is always the possibility of relapse. It's something you battle every day. I agree with you, Wade, on the topic at hand. That whole call kind of bothered me. Um, so, you know, I mean, uh, having somebody who went through it, Pat, you know, testify to that, it, it just underlines why, you know, yeah. if you want to see a great Kurt Angle match with him at his peak, go back 10, 15 years. If you want, if you like Kurt Angle, I just, I don't think you're rooting, you're, I don't think that you should be voting for him to be in the ring with a Brock Lesnar or an AJ Styles or Finn Balor at this point because Kurt, like you said, Pat, he's, everything you hear about him, he's the last person in the world who knows his limitations. I mean, he just is. So I, I, I like Kurt, but he's not physically where he was, and I think he's vulnerable to relapse, as, as Kenny W. just emailed. So, yeah, um, side of caution and find a way to use him in a safe way. And, and that's where, you know, Triple H, some people might groan, but I think a battle of, uh, of two legacy wrestlers like that makes some sense. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the U.S., Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! I'm just uh, running down raw. Uh, we didn't talk about the uh, the, the Miz, Sheamus, Cesaro segment and the latest with Ambrose. Uh, just any quick thoughts from you on, on how that went as it led into the Hardys match? I mean, I, I wasn't you know, I wasn't necessarily crazy about the the segment, but yeah, it led to a good six man tag team match, which was a you know, which would have ordinarily been a good way. It would have been a good way to start a show or a pay per view, and, I, and I, I have nothing bad to say about that match except that. You know, um, shouldn't Sheamus and Cesaro have, 
I mean, I know that they won the, a tag team turmoil match, but shouldn't they have been shown as a, any sort of a threat to the Hardys in the month leading up to this? Uh, that'd been good. That'd have been good. Uh, yeah. are you, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down to Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews, including the chapter uh, of Titus winning with a handful of tights. Apollo Crews entering the ring going, I saw you used a handful of tights. And Titus like, ah, let's not talk about that. Let's go party. It's time to party. And they take a selfie. Is this helping Apollo Crews? And did he kick out of, did you get a kick <laughs> out of uh, Titus O'Neil saying, you know, you watch me. Go out there. Let's, let's make it a win and keep an eye on my athleticism and charisma. And by the way, you could use a little of that telling Apollo Crews. I think that uh, I think that uh, Apollo Cruz is hoping that Darren Young becomes healthy or something like that, and and he can. I mean, I I, I don't know that this is helping Apollo Cruz, although I don't know. I mean, I, he's another guy that they probably need to press the reset button with. I, I think I think Cruz's issue is he's very athletic, but he's too small to be the uh, the scary athletic big man, and he's too big to be the uh, you know to be the cruiserweight monster. So. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the issue. And I, I just want to give a thumbs up to what Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, and Bray Wyatt did in the ring. I thought it was a uh, a good match, and Seth and Roman was a good match. And Pat, I, I you and I have been watching Raw from the very beginning and wrestling for years and years before Raw even started. It was getting to see a good match like Roman and Seth, and a good match like Balor, Joe, and Bray in in a combination we'd never seen before. That was a rare treat you you know at a house show or a pay-per-view I, I just i still watch and i just think you know wwe gives too much away but sometimes we lose sight of what the wrestlers are doing out there and the types of you know pay-per-view caliber 15 20 minute matches that raw sometimes delivers and they did that uh tonight with two big matches it was a lot to give away but in the context of hyping a fatal five way with those same five wrestlers it made some sense and I thought uh, my major takeaway from the triple threat match is I think Finn Balor's getting over, and I think he looks like he belongs, and I think he's carrying himself like a main event guy, and I, I think things are going in a good direction with him. Yeah, of everything I've seen so far in 2017, I know, I know ratings aren't good, but I don't think the actual in-ring wrestling product is the problem. Right. I think I think that they're yeah I mean I think the problem is their their ways of telling storylines yeah they haven't I mean it feels it 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 always feels like it's the same raw except with you know with the same stories except different wrestlers are tell, are trying to tell them Agreed, agreed. Thank you callers uh for your contributions and emails and uh thanks Pat for joining me once again and uh mm -hmm. we'll uh, talk to you next time and uh you can join me live tomorrow for the post Smackdown episode of the PW Torch Livecast. One thing we didn't talk about as far as VIP features go, and we'll close on this note. Fans. All right, that will do it for me for today. Thanks, everybody. Big thanks to Pat McNeil. And until tomorrow night after Smackdown, for Livecast listeners, this is Wade Calder signing off. And for VIP members, I'm about to uh, go right into recording the VIP Wade Keller Hotline, reviewing Raw start to finish. There's still stuff we didn't talk about on the show. I'm going to catch you up on what happened on Raw in case you didn't see it and uh, give my thoughts on everything that did happen if you did see it and want my perspective on it. So VIP members, look for that on the VIP audio feed later on after, uh, after this.
Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PWTorch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. This is PWTorch.com editor Wade Keller with the Wade Keller Hotline for Monday, May 29th, 2017 with a review of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw live from Greensboro, excuse me, Greenville, South Carolina. They were in Greensboro Saturday night. Bruce Mitchell and I talked about that in depth at part one of the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show this weekend. And then in part two, talked in depth about Jinder Mahal and a little bit about Brizongo and Usos at the end. So... Check that out. I know it's a holiday weekend, and some, some of you were out of your normal routine, perhaps including podcasts. Uh, Sean Radican with the latest WWE Future Past also, and the latest Wayback Playback along with uh, a couple Wade Keller hotlines. So lots of good stuff up this weekend. Thank you, by the way, to all our VIP members. Thank you for your support of what we do. And just a reminder that you can create a home screen button on your smartphone. That will create an app-like experience for all our VIP content, our VIP-exclusive articles, access to stream our audio shows, if that's more convenient than subscribing through a podcast app on your phone or through iTunes, and also ad-free access to everything that is put on pwtorch.com, but you get an ad-free version of it, which I know for a lot of you is, is uh, very nice uh, compared to the ads that pop up on the uh, on the free version of pwtorch.com, especially on mobile. So be sure you're taking advantage of that. And the link to create that home screen button in an app-like experience, it's not just pwtorchvip.com. There's actually a better way to go about it, a better URL. And you can find that at pwtorchvip.com slash VIP tips. So that's pwtorchvip.com slash VIP tips. Not only will it tell you step-by-step how to create that home screen button on your uh, smartphone, but also everything else that will help you get the most out of your experience as a VIP member, even if you're a longtime member, but especially if you're a newer member, there's probably some things you don't know or aren't taking advantage of, and this will help you do that. All right, so Raw tonight, uh, they opened with a, mo- a really nicely done Memorial Day video package, primarily narrated by John Cena. They went live to the arena where fans chanted USA after watching that video. WWE sent that link along last week. They were pretty sent that in an email to me and I'm sure other media too. They were pretty proud of the uh, the video that they put together for Memorial Day, and I think they should be. The Raw opening aired. The announcers introduced the event as the camera panned the crowd. They hyped the two TV main events, and they were big ones. Bray Wyatt, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Triple Threat, and one-on-one Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Cole said these matches could change the course of the new era. They're really going with that now. It's kind of like, I I think they're thinking, well, there's going to be the Cena era, and then there's when Cena became a part-timer, and we have to call that the new era. Now, that said, I'm sure Vince McMahon hopes eight years from now, everyone's saying, oh, it's not the new era, it's the Roman era. The Roman Empire era. Uh, All right, the announcers uh, 
in, or actually, then it was time for Miz. Uh, Miz came out with Maurice for a Miz TV segment. Miz said that he and Maurice, the it couple, are feeling really good. And they started to kiss. Miz said Dean Ambrose is a lying, cheating, backstabbing thief who stole his Intercontinental Championship. He said Dean got himself intentionally DQ'd last week. He said when he asked for a rematch and uh, made sure that if he gets DQ'd on purpose, he loses his title. And he's happy with that. He says now Dean can't use the uh, a, a shortcut or a cheap way out um, this time of uh, trying to keep his title. He threw to a clip of Miz attack. Uh, Miz threw to a clip of him attacking Elias Samson last week when he was fighting Ambrose, which led to Ambrose losing by DQ. Now Miz used that to illustrate how easy it might be to get the belt off of Ambrose, because you know I guess in theory, based on what he showed, Maurice could just enter the ring and give Miz a low blow. Well, she wouldn't want to do that, but you know, stomp on his feet. She might be willing to do that. Um, and uh, that would lead to the ref going, oh, how dare you turn on your husband? You are DQ'd for trying to help Dean Ambrose win because referees are so naive in that way. And uh, then Dean would lose the belt. So Miz is kind of hinting that they might try that. I'm just thinking at this point, it'd be nice to see Kurt Angle walk out and say, hey, wait a second, or tell Miz later on the show. I saw what you're saying about the DQ. Yes, the title changes hands on a DQ, but I have instructed the referee, and maybe they'll cover this on the kickoff show on Sunday. I have instructed the referee to use some latitude. He is not to go by the strict DQ rules. It must be something that Dean Ambrose has done intentionally to try to give himself an advantage to win the match, not some cheap shot that Maurice takes at you that doesn't really hurt, but you're going to claim it does, and that the, the letter of the law says there should be a DQ. I want to see Angle explain that to Miz, because that'll give, the Miz, that'll give fans some satisfaction that Miz's plan will backfire. Now, they might not want to say it yet, because they want fans to feel that Dean's reign is in peril unfairly, but I'd like to see that at, you know in the kickoff show or during the pay-per-view. All right, so Miz introduced Sheamus and Cesaro as his guests on Miz TV. Miz said, now two superstars. No two superstars have worked harder than Sheamus and Cesaro have. He said they scratched and clawed to get their big moment at WrestleMania this year only for the Hardy Boys to show up unannounced and steal it. He said that they were handed an opportunity and their spotlight was stolen. Then uh, Seamus said, yeah, the biggest shame of them all was that the fans turned their backs on them. And fans then began doing the delete chant and arm gesture. Seamus paused to look at them, wasn't sure quite what to do with it, and then just said, you know, you fans are all about the new thing, the new toy. But they plan to win back their tag team championships. I'm not sure that the Hardys would be considered a new toy. I think you're dusting off an old toy from the attic. I wouldn't call it new. But they are enthusiastic about it. Miz said the fans don't recognize the greatness that is in the ring. And then he shifted to talking about himself. <laughs> he raised his arm and said, when my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. He explained that he elevated the Intercontinental title, and Ambrose tore it down. He said that title needs to come back, and that's why at Extreme Rules, his Intercontinental Championship comeback tour will headline arenas worldwide. He stood up and he said, he can see it now. Dean Ambrose walked out with his belt around his waist, the IC belt. Booker wondered what this interview was supposed to be about. He said that Miz has guests, but he kept talking about himself. Ambrose arrived at ringside. He said he can sometimes run headfirst into a bad situation. That's not unusual for him, he's admitting. But he said, sometimes I just can't help myself, and that's what's happening here. He said somebody needed to come out there and shut their mouths. Miz said, or asked the fans if they want Dean to shut his mouth. He told Dean to do the, match, or do the math because it's three on one. Either you're crazy or you're stupid, Miz said. Ambrose said, I might be crazy. Yeah, I might be crazy, but I'm definitely not stupid. 
And uh, at that point, he dropped the mic and the Hardys music played. They ran to ringside and now it's three on three. Booker said, this is a moment. Cole said, things are now even. Thanks, Cole. He said, Dean and the Hardys came to play. They cleared the ring of Sheamus and Cesaro while Miz bailed out on his own. Call, uh, Michael Cole called it an explosive start to Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, Booker had a point. Miz managed to turn that interview segment with Cesaro and Sheamus into primarily being about himself. But I thought it was good. It was good to have Sheamus and Cesaro reiterate why they feel jilted by the fans. And because uh, heels need to have a reason for why they act the way that they do. And it's up to fans to decide if they have merit, which usually it doesn't. So after the break, it was Miz, Cesaro, and Sheamus against Dean and the Hardys. This ended with the Hardys and Ambrose winning in 12 minutes. This was sloppy at times. The crowd largely ate up the teaming of Dean and the Hardys and seemed really into them. But there were some awkward moments. There was a, a time when uh, Dean leaped to tag Jeff and Matt in the corner. He went to tag Matt. Matt apparently wasn't supposed to be the guy to get tagged in. So he pulled his hand away. And then he pretended, then he had, kind of had dinosaur arms. Like, he pulled his hand away and he's like, oh, sorry, you just missed my arm. And he does, does kind of the Tyrannosaurus dinosaur arms. And uh, then Jeff just tagged in instead, which was the supposed spot. So a, uh, a Dean Ambrose moment, I guess. Uh, he apparently has those. Then there was also an awkward spot on a attempt uh, at a twist of fate by Matt. Just wasn't smooth. But, I mean, the, the match had some good moments, too. Uh, then they went to the announcers. Graves was distracted by his phone while Cole and Booker were talking. It was awkward. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop. Visit us throughout the day, every day, to keep up on breaking news and more. That's P wtorch.com Cole asked Graves about Ambrose and Miz and Graves apologized, got up and left Cole shifted to plugging Alexa Bliss hosting a Bailey This Is Your Life segment later um, so it, it was a uh, you know, you're, I think they tried to sell it as like you know, maybe Graves really did get some sort of disturbing text message and it was played up like it could have been legit and you're supposed to be worried and they'd follow up on it later after the break, Kurt Angle was reading Corey Graves' phone and the message that concerned Graves. He looked concerned, and Angle read out loud, going, A disgraced embarrassment to WWE besmirched my status as an Olympic gold medalist. He asked Angle if, uh, if it was a joke. Graves did. Graves said, Hey, hey, I'm on your side here, uh, but it looks serious. And Graves said he thinks Angle's doing a great job, actually. Angle said, How do you find out about this? And Graves said, Well, it's weird, but... People tend to like to tell him things. <laughs> he said he's willing to help. Angle said if this is true, it could ruin him. I thought it was a little awkward the way it played out, maybe more so than even my description, or not, maybe not as much as my description of it, but it was kind of hard to get a grasp on what they were implying. Um, you know, is Graves going to be in on this? And that's why he was sent the message. It depends on, I guess, what that message was. It was a little weird, but bottom line is, Kurt Angle's being accused of something that may or may not be true. So now you have to wonder, is somebody in WWE being accused of something that they're going to say isn't true in an attempt to besmirch their reputation? Because sometimes real life inspires Vince McMahon's storyline. So we'll see. But this could end up being, you know, pure storyline, not inspired by real life. Elias Sampson played his guitar mid-ring. He sang a ballad, Johnny Cash style, about having a plan and what it needs is what I am. The crowd didn't know what to make of it. They weren't really 
they weren't antagonistic about it. Uh, they weren't didn't seem bothered. They just seemed kind of open-minded <laughs> to listen to, to listen to him play guitar, but not for too long. Anyway, Elias Sampson squashed Zach Evans. Booker said it was another sad ballad that shows he's a gunslinger. Okay, that was a lot to draw from that. He said he has been on a high after la- he has to be on a high after last week. Booker called Elias Sampson this. I mean, he's a man. He's got you know hairy chest, big thick beard. He looks like he's you know thirty-ish. And Booker calls him a kid. It's like, no, you know, Zach Evans is a kid, you know, but TJ Perkins might always look like a kid. But Lyle Sampson, he's not a kid. <laughs> just, he's, a, he's a man. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing to say to about a grown, one grown man calling another grown man with a, with a full beard and hair chest. Oh, a kid. I mean, I get why he does it. It's just, if I'm Vince, I'd be like, hey, Booker, he's a superstar. He's a man. He's not a kid. Sampson aggressively beat down Evans right out of the, right out of the gate. Uh, Evans took a nice bump into the corner. Samson rammed his, his uh, face into the edge of the ring. Booker said that's a message to the rest of the locker room because he's a new guy in town looking to become a contender. Booker called the beating a straight-up mugging. Samson won decisively with his finisher. Booker said after the match he didn't know the jobber's name even though he had a graphic on the screen and was introduced. Cole told him the name. Booker laughed for some reason because that's what Booker does to, um, I think, it's, it's a defense mechanism when Booker's called out for maybe not paying attention. He just goes, ha, 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 laughs uproariously. He said it's a lesson for the kid who needs preparing. Cole said Samson seems like the real deal, and he's off to a good start. Um, I'm a fan of squash matches. This is a perfect way to use it. I thought Samson looked dominant. He got his moves over, got his personality over. Do more of it. I'd like to see Dean Ambrose win a squash now and then. You know, uh, Miz win a squash now and then. I mean, just throw that into the mix. It doesn't have to be just new people. And you could use it, you know, as just a squash, but you can also use it as a way to, to transition, you know, get up their opponent on commentary, taking some digs at them during the match. It's a good substitution for just a standard promo. Uh, I just, I'd like to see one or two squash matches every Raw. I mean, it's, you know, two minutes, and it's just a guy dominating, and jobbers take good bumps, and yeah, just go with it. All right, they showed Joe watching Balor on a screen backstage. He was looking at it like a normal person would look at a TV screen. Charlie Crusoe walked up and interviewed him about his match later. Joe said while everyone was watching Balor 20, the Balor's 24 special, uh, or WWE 24 special on the network, and catching feelings, I love the way he put that, he's looking at it with different eyes. He said he's learning how to hurt Balor. He said it's a battle of the devil you know versus the one you don't. And he said he knows Balor well. He said he has a, he's broken Balor's body before, and he will again. When he began talking about Bray... He was interrupted by Bray's sound effects. Bray said Joe is just like the rest. He's blind. He said his own eyes are wide open, though, and he sees a future where the beast run runs wild over civilization with the hopes of mankind hanging bloody from his fangs. I thought that was a good line. I'm usually not at all the hocus-pocus stuff, but I thought that was kind of a good line written for Bray or that he came up with. He said he can see a world where the beast screams with a deafening weakness that impales the wings of angels and demons mid-flight. He said the Eater of Worlds is prepared to wage war with the end of time and leave the carcass of the beast in him. So, I mean, a lot of gibberish in certain ways, but in other ways I thought it was one of the better kind of gibberish promos that Bray's done. He said he won't turn from the fight, but he will stand up. He said Joe and Balor should give in to their fear and run. I don't know, just this just felt a little more grounded. It, it, I don't think he did the maniacal Bray Wyatt laugh. Um, it seemed less community theater, more pro wrestling which is what I've been rooting for him to do more of, and something about this just worked better for me. 
Um, both Joe and ba uh, both Joe and Bray were good, I thought, in these back-to-back uh, -back segments. Balor made his way to the ring for the triple threat match, and we moved into hour number two after commercial break. They caught the very end of Joe's entrance, and then Bray did his full ring intro. They uh, each took turns pairing off and battling early on. When Joe set up a superplex on Balor on the top rope, Bray power-bombed Joe to the mat hard, and Joe superplexed Balor. Bray tried to set up a Sister Abigail on Balor early. Joe came up behind him first and applied the Coquina Clutch. Balor kicked Joe in the face and then stomped on Joe. He saw Bray at ringside and kicked him too. Then uh, he landed a flip dive and they cut to a break. So good start. Afterwards, after the break, the heels worked together to take down Balor. Balor battled back, but Joe took him down with a big boot and a senton splash. Bray then landed his own senton. Joe smiled at Bray. Bray then clotheslined Joe as he charged at Balor. He kicked him to the floor. Joe looked foolish for trusting Bray again. Balor blocked a choke slam and then hit a Pele kick. Both were slow to get up. Balor got up first and kicked Bray as he charged. He went on rapid fire offense, but Joe cut him off with a clothesline. Joe then attacked Bray. Cole said the action here is like the fatal five-way with people coming from all directions. Balor then threw Joe out of the ring, slide kicked him, and then delivered a running knee off the ring apron. Balor drop-kicked Bray into the ringside barricade at ringside. Graves said Balor is overcoming the odds tonight, just as he'll have to do at Extreme Rules. Uh, this is Awesome Chant started. Didn't last super long, but a little tip of the hat by the fans to the quality of the match. Then Cole acknowledged the fans' appreciation of the match. Balor charged at Joe, but Joe turned it into a urinagi. Balor ended up powering out of a coquina clutch. He fended off Bray briefly and then landed a quick double stomp. Joe countered a Balor sling blade attempt, or sling blade, with an overhead suplex. It was a cool rapid-fire bang-bang sequence. Bray went into the crab walk. This was my least favorite part of the match. Joe looked freaked out. Joe shouldn't be freaked out by Bray. And I know you don't want to ruin Bray's gimmick, but Joe's a heel. And he's a badass. And Joe should not be intimidated by a guy doing, you know, essentially an advanced yoga move. Um, Joe should have looked at him and shrugged his shoulders and then paid a price for it because he's a heel. But Joe shouldn't have acted intimidated or confused or spooked by Bray doing the crab walk. I just, it, it doesn't fit Joe's character. So anyway, uh, definitely my least favorite part of that. Bray ended up delivering a Sister Abigail because Joe was too stunned and paralyzed and by fear by what he just watched. Um, Joe rolled to the edge of the ring. Bray tried to move it back to the center of the ring, but Balor jumped Bray from behind. Balor then hit a below par version of the sling blade and a drop kick in the corner. Then he leaped off the top rope with his coup de grace. Joe threw Balor into the ring post and made the cover and stole the victory. So um, Bray took the pin here, which makes me think even more that Bray is going to win the Fatal Five-Way and go on to face Brock Lesnar, especially after the promo focused on the Beast earlier. This one about 17 minutes. Good match. It felt like a fresh mix of matchups, too. Um... Joe looked bad just in general, though. You know, talk about that, being all intimidated by the crab walk. He looked bad just trusting Bray. You know, at one point of the match, he was, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Joe's in the shame on me part of this relationship with Bray. Um, he, sh he needs to be a streetwise badass fighter, not a guy who's gullible and forgetful. So I, I didn't think this was, uh, this was produced well for Joe. The, uh, but the match served overall as an illustration of three-fifths of the chaos that you'll see on Sunday. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. 
That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Mike Rome interviewed Seth about his match with Reigns later in the Extreme Rules main event. He said that he and Roman have a complicated history. And they do. That's the shoot. They didn't always get along great. They didn't always run in the same social circles. He said that they had, even when they were in the Shield, um, he said that they had had some great times, but also some not-so-great times. He said that he knows that every time they were in a ring together, it's a war because they both want the same thing, to be the best. He said that Reigns knows that Seth freaking Rollins owns Roman Reigns. He said it won't be personal. It'll be about sending him a message. And the other three he faces at Extreme Rules also. He said on Sunday he'll change the course of WWE history again. And I'm glad they gave Seth some time to talk both about uh, the match with Reigns to set it up and build a little backstory of boasting and and then, uh, you know, saying, hey, I I got my sights set on winning. I don't like when a babyface isn't going to win a match that they don't have the babyface talk about how important it is for them to win the match before it happens because it tends to give away the babyface isn't going to win. And I like, I, I believe that everybody should talk about winning a match, even if they're going to lose. And because you shouldn't be able to forecast somebody losing, especially baby faces, by not declaring they want to win and they intend to win. But they tend to, you know, WWE booking style, Vince McMahon's approach is usually don't let the baby face talk about wanting to achieve something that they won't achieve because the fans feel let down and it hurts their character. And I just don't agree with that. I think they, uh, that fans understand you don't always, always, um, achieve everything that you set out to achieve okay so um they um up next they showed sasha banks giving rich swan some dance tips backstage then after the break noam dar with alicia fox in his corner took on rich swan with sasha banks in his corner and uh swan won this one in about three minutes in the end Banks stopped fox from interfering against swan swan then landed his splash off the top rope for the win As Swan and Sasha celebrated, Cole said Swan loves to entertain. Sasha danced as Swan did his Iceman Parsons flashback. Backstage, Caruso interviewed The Revival, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson, who are back on Raw. She said they haven't been in action on Monday Night Raw in six weeks. Dash showed off his teeth and his jaw being wired shut. Dawson said they'd be back in action as soon as those wires were cut. Then, uh, when she brought up Enzo being attacked last week, Dawson asked if she was asking a gotcha question journalists like to ask. She, she said that there are some video raising questions because it showed Dash and Dawson leaving Raw last week. I talked about that last week. Some astute observers of Raw noticed that and spread the word, and they acknowledged it. She said it appears they were at Raw last week, and Dawson said, yeah, yeah, when I said we weren't here, I, I meant we, weren't, we didn't wrestle. You see, you're trying to trip us up with exact language. Dawson said they are there. They were at Raw. They've been there every week because... It's our jobs. He said, we were doing top guy stuff. We're doing what top guys do. That's a funny line. And he said, Enzo's a bottom feeder. We won't waste our time with him. We're top guys doing what top guys do. They wore t-shirts that said, no flips, just fists. I'm sure uh, Randy Orton wants a cut of that. They went to the announcers on the stage. Graves said Enzo was familiar with the footage of Dash and Dawson sneaking around last week. Booker wanted to know, what does that mean? Cole threw to a clip of Takira Tozawa versus Brian Kendrick on 205 Live last week, including a big leap off the top rope by Tozawa onto Kendrick with a senton splash. Cole called it one of the most spectacular moves you'll ever see. It was it was a pretty spectacular spot. Back to the announcers, Big Cass angrily confronted Graves and asked if he was insinuating that he 
had something to do with an attack on someone. And I didn't really know um, what, it, where that came from. I, I felt like I missed a chapter or something like that. It was very weird. Um, Graves said he just knows Angle is doing his own investigation. And Cass said, hey, I wouldn't attack a guy I consider my little brother. And then he just, uh, Graves said it's just a misunderstanding, and he offered a handshake. Cass accepted his handshake and walked away. So I guess they're tying together the Kurt Angle thing with the Enzo thing, and I, I didn't get it. I, I, I thought something, either I missed something or they did a poor job telling a story. this story. I'm not sure what went wrong. There's aspects of the acting I like, but I just didn't get the plot developments. A soundbite aired after the break with Apollo Crews and Titus O'Neil. He told Crews, uh, Titus did, that he has a front row seat next to watch him do what he does and take note of his athleticism and charisma. He said he could use a little charisma. little shoot comment there. Cruz took exception and Titus said, no, 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 now let's go out there and make it a win. Cruz looked a little uncomfortable. Uh, Kalisto took on Titus O'Neil. Titus won this one in one minute. Poor Kalisto. Kalisto got in some early offense, but Titus won with a handful of tights on a roll-up. Booker said, a win is a win. He's trying to show what it takes. I like it. Oh, God. Cruz told Titus he saw him use a handful of tights. Titus ignored that and took a selfie with him and said, come on, it's time to party. Let's celebrate victory. They showed Bliss backstage. Cole said that This Is Your Life segment was up next. And uh, it was. And it's worth watching. Only to be part of wrestling history. And I, I am curious if this ends up on Hulu, on the Hulu Plus version of Raw. This should be cut. It was awful. Bliss entered the ring, which had a table set up in the background with various pictures of Bailey and items representing her life. Bailey pointed at the candlestick hanging from a pole in the corner. Bliss said Bailey won't really use a candlestick even if she gets a hold of it. She's too much of goody two-shoes. Bliss said to understand Bailey, she had to dig deep. She said what she found out will fascinate everyone. She yelled, ladies and gentlemen, Bailey, this is your life. She said that the huggers will really like the first trinket. She held up a doll and said, Bailey still plays with this doll. She picked up a trophy, which was for best in sportsmanship, and she laughed. Next was Bailey's yearbook, in which she was voted most likely to apologize. None of this is working so far. It's not mean. It's not funny. It's not anything. It's just boring. The crowd is already restless. Bliss said she had three special guests who are part of Bailey's past. First, her fourth grade teacher, Miss Flapper. Her teacher said Bailey sat front row next to her dad in class because she was a daddy's girl who cried if she was too far from him. And that was it. <laughs> that was the joke. And it just wasn't anything. Then a classmate of Bailey's, Tracy, said she was a pushover and never wanted to do anything because she always wanted to watch Raw and SmackDown. <sighs> the segment was just dying. Bliss said the fans were being rude, but she... She'd be polite to her guests. She interviewed her first boyfriend, who said Bailey brought her father along for their first date, um, which was not believable at all. And she said that uh, they almost had a first kiss at one point, and he closed his eyes, and nothing happened. And then when he opened his eyes, there was Bailey's dad. He said, I almost kissed him. At this point, fans are chanting delete. They wanted this segment deleted. And like I said, it might be deleted from the Hulu version, the 2R version. He said she only delayed, that she only uh, dated Bailey because he wanted to get close to Tracy. She said she always felt he was out of her league, but she always liked him, and they made out. And Booker said, this is hard to watch. Bliss said, it's disgusting. 
Th this was like the AJ Styles uh, segment with what's her name in, in Impact. You know the whole, that whole thing. It was just, oh god, this is just bad. Bailey's music played, and she walked out looking upset with the whole thing. Cole said she's had enough. I think everybody did at that point. Bailey attacked Bliss in the ring. Bailey knocked stuff off the table. Bliss though came back and hit Bailey with a kendo stick. That will all, that, that's just going to go down as one of the worst written and biggest flops of worst written segments and biggest flops of this era of WWE television. I mean, it, it is absolutely positively not something that should have gotten onto television. It just it wasn't even last get on SNL worthy. There was it just it bliss is so much better than this, and I don't know what went wrong, but they need to figure it out, take inventory, and not let something this bad escape from the writing room again. I don't know how it made it through the layers of, of anything. Ugh. Um, I mean, Bliss has been pretty pretty damn effective as a heel lately, and this was just awful. I mean, I don't know. There wasn't a redeeming, even one redeeming slice of that entire segment, start to finish. It was just unfunny and ineffective and a waste of TV time. They should actually apologize for it. Actually, at one point, uh, uh, Booker, I think, was apologizing for it. Yeah, he said, this is hard to watch, and he was right. They went to the announcers at the desk for a plug of WWE Network's 30-day free trial. A commercial hyped a new table for three, debuting tonight. Michael Hayes, Eric Bischoff, and Jim Cornette. They showed that Enzo had been attacked yet again. Cass told Angle, it must be revival. Angle said, but I saw them leave the arena earlier. Cass said, well, they could have come back. Angle said he won't assume anything until all the facts are in. Angle said he needs to calm down. Cass said he's not leaving Enzo's side. He said if he saw any, he's, he asked if he saw anything, and Enzo couldn't speak and looked glassy-eyed and confused. So, another attack. Austin Aries and Jack Gallagher took on TJP and Neville. They cut to a break after a couple minutes of action, and then after the break, in the end, Neville missed a top rope corkscrew splash attempt, and then Aries applied the last chancery for the tap-out win. Cole wondered what that does to the mind of Neville going into Sunday's cruiserweight title defense. With some podcast memberships, there's a complicated system of having to enter a username and password in advanced settings, and it works on some apps but not others. That's not the case with PW Torch VIP membership. We now have a slick setup where you're a single click away when you go VIP from having your podcast feed automatically generated on Apple Podcasts. All you need is an authorized VIP membership as soon as you sign up on our express sign-up form, which takes about a minute. You'll get a link and you click on it and it opens Apple Podcasts and subscribes. No entering anything, no advanced settings. You can also subscribe on more podcast apps than ever other than Apple Podcasts, including Beyond Pod and Dogcatcher on Android and many others on iPhones and iOS. So VIP membership, it's more convenient than you realize. Get all the benefits of VIP membership, all the VIP exclusive podcasts and these shows with the ads and plugs removed with a VIP membership pwtorch.com slash go VIP. It's quick, it's easy, it's convenient, and we think it's worth it. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Announcer type made events again. Then backstage, Rome interviewed Reigns in the locker room. Reigns, in a quest to win over fans booing him, is now sporting a man bun. We'll see if that helps. He stood up and said, there isn't a man on earth who owns him, a reference to what Seth said earlier. So he's going to show him and the rest of the world why he is the big dog and why this is his yard. He looked intense, and he got right to the point. After the break, Caruso attempted to interview Neville backstage, but he was angry about the loss. She said, that was your first loss by submission since joining the cruiserweight division. She asked if that concerns him headed into the submissions match on Sunday. Neville yelled and stormed off. 
The announcers on camera reacted to Neville, and then they commented on the Goldust heel turn on R-Truth. Another Goldust vignette aired. He said that he deserved the spotlight all to himself, and he's going to make sure the ending to R-Truth's little motion picture isn't a happy one. Then, uh, oh, but I, I like this, by the way. I, this just showed that the demeanor that Goldust had. It was believable. He, I buy his character. It's outlandish in a way, but also grounded in this delusional guy who believes his own shtick. This just shows all, what was lost and what could have been because of the setbacks. Uh, a lot self-inflicted by Dustin, but it's so great to have him back, and I'm glad to see he gets to have a final chapter here of his career, however long it lasts, that he can be proud of. And I talked with Pat McNeil about it earlier on the live cast tonight. I think that Goldust can be a heel for a year or two and then turn babyface and go out in style, but have a good final chapter that, as one caller said, can solidify him as a Hall of Famer. A video aired with R-Truth with upbeat, funky music. He po sat posed like Goldust, and he talked about Pulp Fiction. He said movies for him as a kid were an escape for him. He listed some movies and movie characters that influenced him, and he said he's a bad mother, shut your mouth, just like the heroes in those movies. And he said he's coming for Goldie with serious anger. You're going to get got, he said. And it was good. I, I, these two vignettes made me want to watch their match more than, way more than anything Bliss Bailey in the Bliss Bailey segment. And it took one-tenth the time. Quality, not quantity. Seth's ring entrance took place before the break. Graves said this is a chance for the winner to build serious momentum heading into Sunday. Graves plugged that Sasha will be on 205 Live tomorrow night. I suggested this, that they add some non-cruiserweights to 205 Live, and even better, have cruiserweights get in the mix with women or heavyweights on Raw. I... Talked about that in a little more expanded format on the live cast, but just a general thumbs up to putting Sasha in a new environment and giving a little extra star power and a boost to 205 Live, which needs it. And it's you know it remains to be seen whether Rich Swan and Sasha have chemistry together on air and whether that's something fans get into. But I, I'm, she's got nothing better going on right now. Then Roman Reigns' ring entrance took place. There was no sense of crowd reaction on TV, but in the building he was booed heavily at this point, although we had a caller who was in the venue for the event, and he said that this was a... Uh, it was, it was, uh, that, that Reigns went over the crowd a little bit uh, during the match, although he had a friend disagreeing with him <laughs> at, I think, well, he was calling. So a little debate on whether Roman was winning over the fans or not during the match, but the, it seemed like the, the audio was definitely muted. Um, as much as WWE says, oh, whatever you want to do, don't worry about it. We're cool with it. As long as Reigns getting a reaction, we're fine. It, it, editing, uh, editing the sound, muting the sound, uh, it, it flies. It goes against that claim, which is fraudulent. They do care. Gray said the architect is in the big dog sights. They did some babyface versus babyface spots, such as Tessa strength and reversals early on, without any real aggress uh, aggression or violence. Reigns took Seth down a few minutes in with an uppercut. Then he paced in the ring as Seth rolled on the floor. Reigns went after him at ringside, throwing him into the ringside barrier. Grave, uh, Reigns gave Seth a drive-by, sending Seth hard chest-first into the ring post. It was a cool variation of the drive-by, you know, using the momentum to send somebody chest-first from the ring apron into the post. Seth yelled out in pain. Reigns set up a spear with a big yell, but Seth caught him after the vocal telegraph by Reigns and kicked him in the face. He dove onto him at ringside and then played to the crowd. They cut to a break. Reigns got in a stretch of offense after the break. When he went for a top rope move, Seth countered with a running buckle bomb in the opposite corner. Reigns popped out of the corner with a Superman punch, which popped the crowd. That was uh, the turning point of the match, too, apparently, in terms of some of the crowd warming up to Reigns, because it was a cool spot. 
Seth landed a top rope splash for a very near fall. Both were slow to get up. When a battle chant broke out, pro and con for Seth and Roman, Cole said the fans were expressing respect and appreciation for both. Seth climbed to the top rope. Graves said it was like putting all your money on one number on the roulette wheel. Reigns avoided a Phoenix splash. Reigns charged at him. Seth gave him a knee to the face that looked good. Reigns gave him a big right in return. Seth countered with an enziguri. Reigns came back with a spear and scored the three count. So I thought a, a good crescendo um, near the end there. Just a lot of back and forth. And uh, ultimately, in the end, Reigns, as I think you would expect if you're following things, um, won. Uh, and got the clean win, and that made sense because they're keeping Reigns strong, headed into um, a big match against uh, Lesnar probably at WrestleMania 34 and then probably Cena at WrestleMania 35 if they have the patience to keep them apart that long and Reigns stays healthy and a top guy that long. Uh, but a good 18-minute main event. There were two good long matches on this show, and I think it uh, bows well, portends well for the quality of what we'll see at Extreme Rules in that Extreme Rules fatal five-way main event. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was fine. Uh, announcers closed out the show, given final hype to Extreme Rules coming up on Sunday. But overall, I thought it was a decent show. Uh, don't have, I mean, decent show with, you know, the caveat that there were some, you know, sort of throwaway segments. I mean, if you're not into Eli Sampson winning a squash match and that bothers you, and then that worked against the show, I think the, uh, the, 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 the uh, Bliss segment was awful, 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 awful but also in a way that was just sort of like so bad that it almost became like, I'm glad I saw it live happen. <laughs> I wanted to be part of wrestling history. I, I, I just think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's enough reasons to dislike the show, but my God, two good 15 plus minute matches with some world-class athletes having good, having a good match. I mean, it's hard to give a thumbs down to a show that delivers that. That said, it's three hours. And if you're going to be, you know, arrogant enough to think you can fill three hours plus every week with good content, you got to make sure that you're consistently good and not having people sitting around wishing that things were moving better. Uh, but heck, even the opening match, well, no, the opening match was kind of clunky. Ms. Cesaro, Sheamus, Ambrose, Hardys was not. I don't think it's a match any of them are going to want to show off years from now as, as an example of them at their peak work. Uh, but yeah, and, and actually the sloppiness of the storyline with, with Kurt Angle, the clunkiness of that, was, 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 it was intriguing. But again, some of the good had some mixed things in it, but there was enough enough good that I, I give the show uh, a mild thumbs up for just a entertaining storyline forwarding edition of Raw that had some newsworthy aspects on some good wrestling, but definitely some mixed results, and I could certainly understand a case um, that could be made for this being a lousy Raw, but it, it, I don't think anybody can say it was a great episode. I'll put it that way. I, don't, I, I would not I would not agree that it was a great show, but I could hear somebody make a case for it being a good show or a bad show, because it just had a, it was one of those shows that had a real mix of all of that, and then some filler, too. How's that for hedging? Mild thumbs up. I do want to run a uh, quick correction, too. I, I talked on the Wake Color Hotline over the weekend about the value of wrestlers going through ROH and indie guys and being in front of that kind of demanding crowd and applied it to Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, Gargano, Gargano's indie history was in uh, uh, DGUSA, and, uh, or DGUSA, as Sean Radican uh, calls it, and uh, in Evolve, um, and not ROH. So just apologies for that, because um, really, I mean, they're all, it, it fits what I was saying, but Gargano's history is not an ROH guy. Um, you know, he had his experience in different, different categories of a similar type of um, 
experience on the indie scene and earning respect to those same types of fans, but not under the ROH banner. So just want to run that correction because I had some people point that out and absolutely right. I was absolutely wrong to just group him in as an ROH guy um, like, uh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa. So anyway, uh, thanks to those who pointed that out. Until next time, Wade Keller encouraging you to go check out the PW Torch livecast. Pat Bingley will join me for an hour and a half with callers and the ad-free and mostly plug-free version of that should be available on the RSS feed here at PW Torch VIP around the time of this show. And uh, don't forget, Justin Credible returns to the livecast on Thursday. An old friend of the livecast, a frequent guest, we're going to talk about Extreme Rules gimmick matches and talk about Justin's history in Extreme matches and uh, catch up with him and how life is with him and uh, his thoughts on the current scene. Until next time, Wade Keller, thank you once again and signing off. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. So far in 2022, I am down about 10 pounds, and one of the things that's helped me stay on course, eating the proper portions, high-quality ingredients, and healthy meals, but conveniently within my busy schedule, has been Factor. We've been talking about Factor here for a few months, and I am a believer. Um, their, their meals are delicious. Every week, I look forward to picking out the, the meals that I'm going to have delivered. I, I've been sharing some of them with my mom. Um, who has a little bit different uh, preferences than I do, and there's a wide enough selection to satisfy my family and her. Factor makes it easy for me and my family to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals 
that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. There's no dishes to wash. This works perfectly. There's been a few times before Raw or SmackDown where I've been working all afternoon and I've got a real small window for dinner, and I'm so happy those Factor meals are in the fridge because I know in three minutes I'm sitting down and eating a restaurant delivery quality meal that feels like it was chef-crafted and chef-prepared. But you heat them up in two minutes, and you're sitting down and enjoying your meal within three minutes. It's faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. I'm big on eating whole food ingredients. I don't like processed food. I try to really limit uh, processed white flour and empty calories. And there's just not empty calories in these Factor meals, but they're full of flavor. A mix of vegetables, whole grains and a ton of protein and good carbs. I find myself not wanting to add salt or sauce or anything to these meals. I add a little pepper uh, to some of them, but others are, are just the right amount of spice. And with more than 29 meal options each week, you're never going to be bored. There's a rotation of meals. I have what I think are my favorites with Factor, and then the next week there'll be a new meal, and I'll try that, and it gets added to my list of meals that I think Factor's done a great job on. They offer vegan and veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein options, veggie sides, and more. And it's been keeping me fueled and focused all day long. I've been doing more exercising since the beginning of the year, and Factor gives me the energy to keep going. So head to go.factor75.com slash wade120 and use code wade120 to get $120 off, that's code WADE120. That's WADE120 at go.factor75.com slash WADE120. Again, that's go.factor75.com slash WADE120 for $120 off. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library, contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting, on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year-in-review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. That's PWTorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year. 
In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast. Podcast app, and of course, you can listen ad-free with a PW Torch VIP membership. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Cast. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Any Lad? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. 
Details at pwtorch.com slash papercopy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, paper copy edition, in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. Also, welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at pwtorch and at the Wade Keller. A lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with a VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP pwtorch.com slash go vip pwtorch.com slash go vip rates start at nine dollars and 99 cents a month or get a full year for just 99 dollars. you can also get the weight color hotline through our patreon tier that's just six dollars and 99 cents a month details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorch vip